When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Foundation and Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Foundation on Apple TV+. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 2, Episode 10, Creation Myths. This is the season finale. Uh, Aaron, we were all excited about this show going into the finale. Curious to see what you think after watching it. I have... It's it's going. This might be the longest intro to a podcast we've ever uh, uh, recorded because I have a oh lot boy. of complicated feelings. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, we at the you left us last podcast. We were saying things like, you know, surely they're not going to put people into cry. You know, like we we called out a lot of things that like would be very hard to pull off hard the, well. You know, if you just psych out and transport terminus to some other place and it turns out it's all a trick and no one dies you know if you um what was the other one? Oh, if you if, if uh you know gale and salvor just climb back into the cryopods at the end of the season uh we, we caught a whole bunch of things it turned out that's exactly what happened but i also said that like you can do anything as long as it's done well now did they do those things well I wouldn't I'm going I'm going to argue yes. And in fact, the re, the first reaction I had when I saw this episode was I mean, I liked a lot of it, but the the big reveals I kept on thinking, I'm not sure. I feel like this is just very tricksy and false. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I think and I think we finally kind of rounded this analogy when we were talking to our friend Pete Peppers as we had a conversation with him that will be released um uh, in, in the near future as part of our season wrap up coverage, I said the feeling I had at the end of the episode was like the times in my life where I've been gotten really good, like on a practical joke level by a trusted friend or family member. And I'm still processing like the panic or the anger or the confusion of what they did to me. Uh, but and everybody's laughing and I'm like, I don't know if I feel good about this. But then I'm like, yeah, no, that's 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 fair play. It's a good joke. You guys got and and the more I think about it, the, when I start thinking about it in years past, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a hilarious story. Right. I'm, I'm glad I went through it. I feel like I'm with that with the finale that I think that Goyer and the writing team pulled a really good trick on us that does not play false i think it's tricksy but not false uh it weaves together a lot of themes that they've been working all season long in fact going back to the first season uh very elegantly uh and the thing that really makes it not false is like they do all these things and in lesser shows there's no cost it's like it's just magic you know harry comes in saves the day no one dies this episode pays more cost in terms of main characters we care about than your average season of Game of Thrones. Like, you count them up. Hober, Mal- I mean, Hober, Bell Rios, which, you know, they're new characters, but they're very well-defined. I quite like mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, who else we got? Salvor. We got uh, Salvor, huge. 
of the entire and like I know these aren't real deaths, but it feels like real deaths and impact of Dimmerzel, the entire Kleonic dynasty, all exponents wiped out uh and de- decanted. Uh that was played like a real moment. Um the loss in relation in terms of like the relationship that Dimmerzel has to her half men children. There was costs that were paid. It didn't and that that's made it not feel cheap, you know. So like at the end, and the thing is, is I've watched this, uh, this morning was my fourth time over two weeks, and I kept liking it more and more each time I watched it. So that's like I said, I I think, I I don't know what people are going to think because, you know, this isn't schmuck bait, um, but it is definitely a bait and switch. And I, like I said, I, I, I think it works. And in the context of the season... I don't think this does anything to jeopardize Foundation's place as one of the most exciting, you know, best looking, uh, highest concept, best acted uh, science fiction shows on television right now. What do you think, Jim? I, I So as you'll hear in this podcast with Pete that we're going to release here as uh, during the wrap up, I was real negative on this episode after seeing it the first time and we were podcasting like two hours after i'd watched it so i was pretty raw um and i i think i was like four days into my emotional process and pete was in like a week or two yeah and we've had a week or so like a week and a half or so to process it and i've been thinking about it a lot um and, and i've definitely mellowed from that take that you'll hear uh quite a bit but I'm certainly more negative on it than you are at this point. I think it's not like the practical joke and it was all fair and done above the board. There is a lot of deceitful stuff happening here. And I think specifically around the Harry and Gale plan that not, not only could I not see, but, but if they had shown me the things that they needed to show me to stick to the visual language of the story they were telling, it would have given up the game and so they didn't and i think that's like that that to me is a bridge too far if you're going to trick me you have to at least play honestly and i don't feel like they did in that regard some of the other stuff i think they did fine with like i think it's disappointing given all the praise that we put onto the show last week for its audacious decisions to blow up terminus things like that that we just kind of roll all that back um Ultimately, it's not like as big of a deal, though, because I did feel like they played it fairly above board. I knew that the vault had certain capabilities that were, you know, essentially magical. Um, I I feel like there was the possibility space there for that because they hadn't told me, you know, through the language of cinema that that really couldn't be the case. Uh, so I, I'm I'm a little hit or miss when it comes to the different switcheroos that they pulled in this episode. And we'll talk a lot more about them when we get to them. But ultimately, I think it is it, it erodes my confidence in the series a little bit because I don't hmm. feel like they played fair. And, and I don't. I, I, and as a viewer, I want to emotionally invest in the things I'm seeing on screen. And when I can't trust the things I'm seeing on screen, Westworld. Uh, I, I start to divest myself of all of my emotional investment. Yeah. Um, there's also like the other thing is like some of my cherished favorite series ever, like 
Breaking Bad's top five uh, show for me. It made our bones in terms of podcasting. And it had, in my opinion, a disastrous season two finale that nearly (laughs) had me throw up my hands and be like, why the hell am I wasting my time watching this stupid show? Um, But I I was in the minority on that. Uh, That was just a bugaboo I had about, you know, FAA and (laughs) air traffic control and the reality of, of so, but um it, so so maybe it's 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 something like that where it is a step that's kind of like ah i don't know about that but i, I want to key on something you said because i i think that that's the real lingering disappointment is yes at the end of last episode i thought it was it was so audacious it was such a swing mm-hmm. for defenses it was such a like also as I, I kept on thinking like how the follow-on effects of like oh my god you know because a lot of things i was worried about in terms of the left hand knowing about the right hand is kind of neatly solves that and um you know it's 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 it it and i was, I was seeing like you know this is like classic like paint yourself into a corner where do you go next i have no idea and the lingering disappointment is kind of like i wish i'd i'd seen how they had gotten out of that fictitious scenario that i invented for myself because they had invented an entirely different scenario mm-hmm. um like I said, there's like I I think you've got yeah, a bugaboo about the mentalic plotline uh, that we can talk about. I have one or two that I I, I don't know about, but mm-hmm. like I said, it's it's man. Last episode was super incredible and it really knocked over the table. And at the end of this episode, seventy five percent of the table has been carefully reconstructed. And yeah, and I think there's a lot to like about this episode too. I don't want to just say yes. it's all negative, but overall, my general feeling is more negative than positive. I would say. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I, I've had a little bit. I don't know if it's a, a little bit more time to think about it or I was not as invested in some of the tells that you were um, because I am curious to see how that all shakes out when we talk about it. OK, uh, let's get into the recap so okay. we can talk about it. All things have a cycle. First, the podcast, then the ad. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Math is never just numbers. This isn't just a podcast. We're back with more Foundation. We start off with Gail and Harry explaining to Salvor how Harry is still alive. Uh, apparently he never died. Gail just made it seem that way to everyone in the village, including Tellum and Salvor. Um, and this is this is interesting. So this is like the big simultaneously the biggest problem I have and explains so much about some of the weird things we saw, right? Um there's scenes here and there's flashbacks they're actually like showing us oh remember this part um where gail is like meditating and counting primes and you see salvar come up to her and she's too busy to to Uh deal with it um that's her apparently working with harry to mask whatever plan they had going on and we don't even really know what the plan was because without salvar's you know uh input here it apparently doesn't work um, but but this is the problem because in that scene they specifically do show 
Salvor meditating and all these visual effects going on, right? That that telltale sign of metallic powers being used. And and this is where I have a problem because they don't show that in every scene afterward. They, they Gale should constantly be emitting that stuff if this were the case. And they further compound that later by the Mentalics coming up to them and saying, hey, you freed us. We were always under the spell of Tellum. Why isn't every scene with Tellum in it showing that same power stuff? Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what Goyer thinks about that because like, it, I could also see there's a an answer that involves the point of view and the target of application that like if you watched it all it, it, it is in fact entirely everyone's consistent. a target of application in gail's instance she says like well, we i'm had just to saying hide it from everyone just, salvor I'm, certainly what i'm saying is i'm just saying like i'm not sure if this is the kind of thing where it's like um i'm watching uh, some some gunplay and then like i notice like oh like a fifth of the shots don't have the like rounds ejecting and the fire effects coming out and my question would be, uh, was that an oversight? Uh, was that mm-hmm. some an editing glitch? Was that an intentional tell? Do I and so because I don't know and in, in, you know the entire it could be that there is something that uh, makes all that consistent. But I suspect you are right that they were forced to make a couple of concessions for a few can, few 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 key scenes that if they did have the wavy lines maybe but you know i don't even know if that's true i don't know that if you had ran uh first of all i I don't know that i agree that they have to have the wavy lines going all the time if Tellum is like mentally enthralling them the whole time but man that's one of my biggest problems too i felt like that was a little too wizard of ozzy like (laughs) i I, you know like that's literally the 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 wicked witch of the east guard coming up and being like dorothy you've saved us thank god and it's like just instantly resolves i i I wish they had done it where like maybe they're staggering around in confusion they're like not sure what's going i mean they're not hostile or evil and like it's it's something that they have to kind of be they're like cult members deeply enthralled in a way that even Mm -hmm. earthly cults can't even imagine and there's going to be a lot of period of recovery. Now, there's a darker option sure, sure. where Harry might just be substituting one cult for another to maintain control. That'd be interesting to explore. But to uh-huh. me, it's like I, I would have much rather had these people be dazed, disoriented, confused, and 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 and, and uh, a flock, a fleeced flock in need of a shepherd rather than just like instantly grasping. Because you're right, that means it seemed like it's much more of an active control that Tellum had moment to moment, day to day, whereas... Mm-hmm. I was envisioning it um, before that happened as like a more passive thing where she would just yeah, give them motivations and, them. And, yeah. and base desires that benefited her. But it's not like, you know, oh, my God, like what, what did she ever lapse unconscious with the whole would they just like fall upon her and tear her apart or. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, that, that you're keen on one of the things it's, that I didn't quite uh, I, I thought was a little bit of a bummer, too. I think it's it's one of the only, I think, deceitful things they do here. I, I think they specifically were telling us a thing with the visual language and then didn't use it when they didn't want us to know, um, so which is dishonest, but what are you going to do? The the other thing, though, that like really sold it for me on the second time I watched it is this monologue mm-hmm. where Gail's essentially talking about miracles, I mean, essentially physical miracles that we can't explain. Like, you know, mm-hmm. one of the bedrock foundations of rationality is causality right sure but you and i both believe in something that had no beginning that 
you know, like yeah, maybe we can create. Uh, maybe universe. it's a maybe it's just a cl- it's, yeah, it's it's a contraction and it's it's an ongoing. But we don't know. We don't know, and we just yeah. like are fine with it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of Goyer's asking us to go with this, kind of like you know, sometimes <laughs> uh-huh. something happens from nothing, and it's a miracle, and it's there. You can touch, you can taste it, you can experience it. It's the universe, but you can't necessarily explain it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm incl- I'm inclined to let the show s- slide on that the same way I was al- inclined to allow you know a major airline colliding in in the air over over Albuquerque. But it's another thing. It's like, yeah, I hope it doesn't become a habit on the show where it's like, eh, just go with us on this. Like, but at critical at critical junction, you can. And the other thing is like, I really wanted all this to work. Like, I think one of the reasons the vault works so well is because deep down, I didn't want all those people to die. I didn't want sure, Harry sure. to coldly sacrifice millions of his people, even in furtherance of saving the galaxy. Um, I was very interested intellectually to see how he would come up with the foundation, the third or whatever. And I'm still like, honestly, I'm a little bit as excited on the other side to see how they're going to do the foundation story with the two foundations having knowledge of each other. And they're kind of setting up with the um, in in the final minutes of this, the idea of maybe there's a Harry versus Harry showdown in our future. Mm -hmm. A dark, 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 Dr. Selden versus Harry showdown, which is fucking really (laughs) cool and exciting. I think that implication was definitely there when Harry's like, oh, you know, the foundation might become its own problem and we might need mm-hmm. to fix it. So yeah. that's pretty exciting. I, I think the let's talk about some of the good stuff that this reveal did. Um, it retroactively makes that scene where uh, Gail's meditating make yeah. sense. And I think it's really interesting when you look at the the pulling thread stuff that Salvor was on earlier. She was you know trying to get on this boat to go see what... Uh, coordinates it went to and Gail comes over to her and is like stop pulling threads this is not a good time mm-hmm. well we understand now that not only did she have a plan going but she was the one suppressing the coin ability mm-hmm. of Salvor not tell him like we thought right so I think that was kind of cool and in in reinforcing the themes of the show that's been building on and on and on Salvor fucking with the plan saved the plan like yeah, her, because their plan like, individual failed. unplanned action that, uh, but it's like you know what what Harry said. You've got an infinite possibilities to get to an inevitability. I mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. found that philosophically satisfying. The fact sure. that Gail had this plan, Harry had this plan, and Salvor did her best to thwart it. And if she hadn't, uh-huh. they would have all like well, you know, yeah, Gail would have been consumed by Tellum. Uh, Salvor would have died in the pit and Harry would have, I guess, starved in the jungle. I don't know what he yeah, would have done. Probably been as soon as as soon as Gale stopped sh- shielding him, he'd been unminded and, and killed. So And I was also mentally prepped for you know, a reveal about how Harry was not dead, right? I mean, we hmm. obviously saw it last episode. We've been talking about oh, is he he's some kind of robot human hybrid? Um, right. that idea was definitely out there. It's just the way that they revealed it, you know, has its pros and cons, let's say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be like the thing is, as a podcaster, I'm super not looking forward to the type of speculation that this is going to encourage the fandom to make because. Oh, yeah. You know, there's like Katie Barta door like you can't say like, um, But the, the, also I can come back to like, I don't know that it's it's tricksy and dishonest, like you're saying deceitful. Or is it more like a sleight of hand magician's trick? Because 
all the things that we're saying about are things that we on the podcast said there's something more to this that we don't understand yet so Mm -hmm. like if they were really being bullshitting us we would not have been saying that so like there were all these you know smoking guns but we just didn't know from what direction the bullet had come from and if it hit anybody so it's like I, i i have a hard time saying that like they were uh really pulling the wool over our eyes more than just a good storyteller um because of that you know like we we they, they, they there there were flashing neon signs that there's something else there it's mm-hmm. just we couldn't quite put it together until this this end well because we were misled by visual effects in my mind <laughs> but okay yeah anyway let's uh move on to the metallics uh, approaching the beggar explaining that they're not under Telm's spell anymore and they're grateful for being freed um, they were apparently prisoners, not followers, which makes a hell of a lot of sense in retrospect. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to go it over... Makes, it makes Tellum yeah. even a bigger monster as well. Like, the sure. fact that she... This isn't one from a certain point of view, or she just tricked them, like, and made them... Um, you know, made them think that they needed her for survival because she saved them. It's just like she actually had to have... 100% control over them. and But like I said, that is a little little too Wizard of the uh, Ozzy. I think um, as... And I've gotten a lot of feedback on this. A lot, you know... Uh, uh, we grew up in a cult. There's been a, several people emailing us talking about how like they like have identified with some of the stuff that's been on the show in terms of like Gail getting out of her fundamentalist religion and things. And it's like... Uh, the, 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 this kind of like, oh, thanks for saving us. We're 100%. We have no, like, we intuitively grasp everything that was done to us and we are, you know, completely ready to go in another direction. I think betrays a lack of understanding of how that, and I, it'd be more, a more interesting story if it's like, in addition to like turning this people into an army, um, you know, through coercion and manipulation, uh, like helping them heal. But again, it might that might be a a bad criticism because they might be leaning into the darker aspects of, you know, Harry turning some of these these children into child soldiers, and they don't possible, have a choice yeah. in the matter, right? Like mm-hmm. they're gonna if 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 they if they give them free will, it's gonna be sold as like, well, if you, you either fight now or you're gonna be ki- you know killed individually. Sure. But I, those those are really interesting things. And like, you know, they, they explore a little bit of this on Ahsoka, the impacts of people's psychology on using children, soldiers and whatnot. And I thought that that'd be an interesting uh, way for them to take this, too. So it's like I have to like the next season to see like how the next 152 years go with the mentalics before I kind of like, yeah, am I am I not happy about that or what? Gotcha. All right, let's go over to Demerzel, who enters the secret chamber where Dusk and Rue are trapped. Um, she explains how conflicted she feels over the emotions that she had for Cleon and how untrusting she is of them. Um, she's also able to, uh, sorry, unable to help them break the bonds programmed into her. And she reveals that she was behind the assassination attempt on day, uh, trying to break off the engagement and dusk forgives her. And then she murders both he and Rue. I, I have no notes. Like I like yeah, much like season one, scene. the the Empire plotline can do no wrong, can commit no sins. This is yeah. an amazing scene, Laura. I, I listened to the podcast, uh, and apparently it's not Burn or Bryn, it's Bjarn. It's pronounced I, like Bjarn. My American tongue can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, just Bjarn. He just kind of like she said, just gotta gotta spit it out there. Um, hmm. This is a clinic of 
doing a performance that there is no manual for. And I sure. really like how it was a dance between her and the writers and Goyer and the director um, to like get all this stuff on. And it's like it's it's all there, like every nuance of the emotion. I think you're supposed to be getting from her like these fundamental things of like, I think I love this man, but I don't know. And it haunts me. Mm-hmm. And I and it comes you down know, to like it, it, almost a determinism kind of thing, like nature yeah. versus nurture, and and like, like the I, most I, applicable way possible. And I kind of did love this boy right up until the moment that he put the chip in me, and mm-hmm. now I hate him. But I can't. But I also think I but love I'm him. But I can't love him. Be, yeah, yeah. And he's, she's like the envy of you people that. Uh, you know, you don't wonder if you feel horny or you feel uh, happy or you feel in love. You don't question, like, where is that coming from? Uh-huh. Um, although I think the emperors could be one of the few people who could actually question those motives and their manipulations and stuff. But, <laughs> sure. you know, and she, uh, I was going to say, and she has the added bonus of uh, not being able to forget anything, not being able to coerce her own mind into believing that something is true when it it, it empirically is not when she has the memory of it being false right like that's the thing she says about cleon that was really interesting to me is eventually by the end he convinced himself that this was not uh he did not force me to love him that it was some kind of communion and she knows better because she remembers the exact events right we can trick our minds we can we can remember things other than exactly how they happened, she's stuck in that prison of perfect memory. Which I thought it was interesting that that implies that, if anything, the vision that we saw, the story we heard Cleon narrate is a sugar-coated version of the truth, which is already horrific. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> um, no, it, it, this scene is... what This is why I love this show, right? Um, the acting is on another level. The writing, thematically, is so full. It, it's so, like... It, it considers every angle of the idea that it's talking about and holds yeah. it up and really examines it. And I, man, and, and then just the language itself that it uses, you know, it's, it's what beautiful. She said, so like at the conclusion of the story with like tears running down her eyes and that like kind of all halting way she has, she says, so you see, I've been left to reap a blighted field, right? Like an eternal, like no matter what I do, this, this shit is going bad. It's rotted. It's decaying. It's poetic, and man. Ten- can you blame me for taking like these extre- these extreme measures to try to fulfill my directive, which I don't have a choice mm-hmm. to do one way or the other, which is interesting how it, boy, it's going to be really interesting when we apply this to the dawn conversation at the end of the episode that kind of bookends this. But um, I re- yeah, I just I just I just 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 love that. Um, yeah, they're like I said about examining it from every angle, they're kind of holding up. um a duality here like dead sorry not day dusk is saying none of us were ever free we were fools to think we could be and then at the end you get salvor saying exactly the opposite like this proves that we have we can take fate into our own hands and change it well it's it's it shows the i guess the fatalism of the empire the um mm. inevitability of their decline versus the actual outlying the actual people who are trying to you know fight the darkness which is the foundation yeah. um but uh i also i i love like rue like you know because dusk it's it's interesting because i every time i watch the scene i try to figure out the exact moment he knows he dies 
and I keep pushing it back 30 <laughs> <It's immediate>. seconds. <laughs> yeah. I, I keep on, you know, as every single time I watch it, I feel like 30 more seconds earlier. I'm like, oh no, I can see it in his face right now. Yep. Terrence He's so Mann resigned it's to his, his face. Yep. Like by the time he comes out and says it, that's the third step of the Martin reveal. You need to back up like a minute or two to get to where he actually knows it's it's all it's all over. But yeah, yeah. even then, uh, like, and then when Rue realizes it, because she realizes it like way after him, she tries to make a break for it. I love how she just snatches. It's like, I don't know. I always love those like superhuman android shows of strength. Like she just snatches her arm and you can hear like the bone snapping as she forces her back into the cell. It's like, you know, you are not getting getting out of this this pit alive. And then yeah. Dusk giving her the betrayer's mark. Uh huh. I thought that was such a fucking nice, uh, such a fucking nice touch. And I, I like thing- how well they foreshadow it and how well they hide it when it's happening. Um, they yes. show that first shot, the opening shot of this scene is him trying to claw at the floor to remove some panels, and you can see his finger is all green, which yeah. it comes from I assume when he walked down here, right? He touched the the mural. He had to touch and the, the pigment. Door to, opens. To, yeah, and that 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 betrayer's mark was or that 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 odd chroma pitch was the the door handle so and, and then when, all... when he walks up to dimmerzel here and he's actually placing the mark on here they don't show that finger they expect you to have seen it earlier and i did i did notice oh that finger is green what's going on to the with extent that? and that's why it's like i'm not like I, i'm not going to sit there and like <laughs> go after the the writers on the show because i was even thinking when i was re-watching this and they kept on showing Cleon's finger you know covered in paint and I'm like man I wonder how many times they agonized over how often they would show that you know like you know when how often do we show it do we need to recall it later in the episode do we need to recall the mural conversation do we need to have the voiceover underneath it like so many creative decisions that are going to hinge on whether millions of people like something or be like and I'm glad it's not my job but I yeah. thought that was a really nice, really nice note that he comes in for his moment of tenderness and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's also using that to to warn Cleon and the the the, the or dusk is using to warn Dawn. And what's really brilliant is that Dawn doesn't a hundred percent understand what's happened. You know, oh, like right. he, he can't say, that, "Oh, in a moment of tenderness, he put that on her neck." He might think, "Oh, Dimmerzel went to go strangle him in his painting," and she, he, you know. But it's another thing that mm-hmm. reinforces the themes of like these little pebbles falling through history that change things. Like no one could have predicted that he would have that paint on his finger. That he would have had this history lesson with Dawn. That Dawn would mm-hmm. be able to. That that like that that Dimmerzel wouldn't have walked past reflective surface and seen seen on herself that this is on. Like so many things had to go wrong for things to kind of go right for Dawn. And I, that that shit like really shines through for me the more I watch it. So much of the episode that does execute like this very intricately designed, you know, Glockenspiel. You know, this is wind up thing that's just dancing. And that in itself reinforces the theme of the show. I think it's another testament to this scene and how good it is that what should be the biggest reveal of the season, the fact that Demerzel was behind the assassination attempt and trying to break up the marriage in mm-hmm. the first place is kind of just lost in all the other greatness that's happening here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's a footnote in this scene to me. Um, maybe because, you know, we had maybe suspected it and started learning more about it, but also because everything else going on here is so much, not necessarily more interesting, but it's more subtle and, and nuanced. Does this, 
do we feel like because it's it's interesting that um Demerzel talks about you know how she feels about her children quote unquote versus the man himself and that um she says he was you know you are have your aspects your dawn your dusk and your day but he was the full blazing sun going its car like he was the the sunrise and sunset right he mm-hmm. was the whole meal deal does that explain why the clones are such have such a smaller memory engram than the original Cleon? Because his was like two and a half times bigger. Maybe. Like what I was trying to think of like, you know, how because like to me, it's not that Dimmerzel's wholesale deleting and editing these people's memories all the time. It'd be like she just plucks things that they don't need to know that they in this accidentally discovered and things like that. Um but like, man, it's still like two and a half times seems a lot. Is there still some threads to pull there, you think? It feels like it to me. I, I don't feel like I got the full answer on when, like what part of Cleon was not included in the clones, I guess. Mm. And so, there's also like another, like he's very early into the dusk cycle. Like if we're in the original Cleon in terms of his age, they still have another 20 plus years of planning, you know, pulling the genetic dynasty together and getting it off the road. And a lot of questions, like there's a, a, a really good feedback that we got at the end of this episode where someone's like, why did Cleon decide to do it this way? Like, why wouldn't he just transfer mm-hmm. his memory and, and, and to clone bo- prime clone bodies and just live forever with his queen? Like, why wasn't or his yeah. empress? Why wasn't that a uh, plan? Why did he want to just live the one life and then pass it on to these ses- sessions of half li- half men and half? Li- I don't have real great answers. I got some theories and some things I could say, but like there's so there, I'm saying there's a lot, even though we got so many answers, there's still, I think, a lot of mysteries to kind of pull up the threads and. Uh, Goyer mentioned in the podcast for episode nine that he has three additional kind of mini stories that he wants to tell of Demerzel. Uh The capture of her by the uh, uh, the emperor that kind of pulls her apart and tortures her. Um, he wants to tell the story of her walking the circle. And then he wants to tell the story of her creation uh, back on Earth and why why she left Earth. Um so and like I and obviously he's like, you know, if I get to tell those stories, they keep giving me more seasons. But like those all sound fascinating. And that's just on the Demerzel side. But I keep on wanting to know like more about Cleon one, more about Cleon one and their relationship. I would love another flashback vignette of like, what does that look like 10 years in? Uh, mm-hmm. What was his final moments like? Uh, what what was she allowed to say at the at the at the last moment? And. You know, what about this episode transpires that gives her a little bit of flex on the dawn issue at the end of the episode? If she indeed sure. flexes. Yeah. So we don't we don't necessarily know. I don't know. Um Yeah, I I I don't know if we'll see more about the memory stuff, uh the disparity between memories, but I, I imagine you could explain it as that's all Dimmerzel stuff, right? That's all yeah. the plan, that's all his emotions for Dimmerzel, that they don't need that stuff. And in fact that would be harmful. To the long-term plan so we'll see uh let's go back over to terminus day commands bell to jump to every other planet the foundation has touched so they can destroy them all bell refuses so day orders the spacer to do it and when she does the fleet's ships begin exploding one by one and they're unable to stop the cascade it's only a matter of time before every ship in the fleet is destroyed Hope reveals that he actually made a deal with the spacers after all and this was a trap set for the fleet Day begins fighting everyone. Bell gets thrown out of the airlock, but 
castles day into his place at the last moment. And then Bell says, uh, Hober, Constant, one of you can escape the ship, and I'll show you how. Uh, I... This is another big switcheroo. This is big switcheroo number two. And I don't have a single problem with this switcheroo. I think this plays beautifully. Um, it makes a lot of sense. And it didn't play false with this at all. What are you? What so are you, so I, I went back and I watched the scene where Hober's trying to make a deal. Mm-hmm. With Shia Center. Yep. And the language there, it is really hard to twist. You have to twist it pretty damn hard to get a deal out of that dialogue. Uh, the specific thing she says is when he offers the Opalesque and their freedom, she says the Opalesque is tempting, but the risk is too great. You are correct. 10% of our offspring is tied to the Imperium. But if Empire learns we have exchanged words with you, they will demand 20. We cannot bear that. That, it, like I said, is really hard to twist a deal out of. But is that, did she immediately call Empire then? Yes. Because I, I remember there's a cut, like they, they, that they cut the middle of the negotiation part out. I was thinking like... Uh-huh. Well, I mean... Like, like they essentially you have the opening offer and then you have like the, the conclusion yeah. that could be a bit. But I like I said, I, I don't know, like it, it, to my mind, there's room there for Hober to be like, but wait, there's more uh, while she's got the phone metaphor, like the finger mm-hmm. metaphorically over the 911 button. Um, and obviously that's what calls she been slight. Yeah, I. That's the thing. I mean, obviously that happened at somewhere at some point along the way because Hober knows like it almost would have been better if Hober didn't know if even Hober had to be kept out of the loop but they needed to get him close to the ship is it and possible so this that mark- like she has sent there reached out to she who bends light and like they had a communion and they all kind of decided in the moment that it was actually worth it because that's kind of what she uh, bends light says at the end like yeah, we we're sacrificing ten percent of our population, but it's a small price to pay for us to be eternally free. Mm-hmm. So, like, is that like she is center? Because I, I, yeah, but I don't know. It might be a good question for Goyer. Like, when exactly, it's, or it, was there any reason that they would stage something merely for our benefit? Like, in your mind, did they have to say? Did she have to have like a glimmer of uh, a disagreement so that she could send that connection? I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's with Hober in private. I. I don't know. It's, You're right, because that's not the audience is a fatal flaw. Here's the thing: mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier, a lot of this dissonance I'm feeling is maybe from a the skipping of one of those three stage Martin reveals. Right, you skip mm-hmm. stage two, and then you just make everybody feel like a fool, except for the people who picked it up. Instantly, <laughs> or the people who right? had no like, idea. Yeah, yeah, or the people who didn't catch that there was anything happening at all. I guess. Right. Right. I, I needed stage two because stage two is usually where I I figure it out or I come to mm-hmm. like a, a, an approach sort mm-hmm. of near the actual answer and then I can feel like I earned that reveal. In a lot of these cases, I'm getting stage one. I'm going, there's something here, but I have no context to put this in. And then I'm getting stage three and I'm just like, I didn't feel earned. I didn't feel like I earned it. I didn't feel like the show earned it. It just feels like I'm getting information that seems completely counter to everything I got before. So this is another one of those things. It's like, I don't think it's a fatal flaw. I think you certainly there's wiggle room in there, even in the words she says, you know, it might be that 
it's not necessarily she says we cannot bear uh, taking that risk. She might be talking about we cannot bear Empire learning that we've talked to you, right? And so we have to hide all this. Like there's ways to twist those words, but I don't, I don't know, man. It, it's something about it feels wrong. It just feels bad. It's, it's not necessarily a thing I can point to and say factually here is the problem. Except with the exception of that visual effects stuff, I think. To me, it just feels bad. Yeah, you're still mad that your buddy uh, said he stole your car or said your car is stolen, but he just parked it up the street. I get it. Yeah. Is that it's, is, is, but, but it's always like, going to happen to me? But it's going to but my car is going to be up the street for the next for the rest of my life. Right. Like <laughs> he's going to come back and do it every day, every time I wake up, because if I ever come back to these episodes, it's going to feel like that all over again. I do wonder if you do a soup to nuts rewatch of this season, how much like if and I also wonder, like, is there any way that we missed a second reveal? Like, uh, you know, because like I said, the thing is, is like, I can't say it's total bullshit because we were saying and we have been saying that every subsequent week we there is still some big reveal with the spacers. There's more to that story. It was clearly like, you know, it was weird that they didn't take the deal. Yeah. And it like made so much more sense that like she who is sent her comes like, why did she make a special trip? Bring bring the whole fucking home, home swarm. It's an unprecedented thing she's ever done because mm-hmm. she knew this is the last time she was going to see her daughter. Um, sure. I, I, like I said, it, I think it if, if there's one track that wasn't laid, there was nine tracks that did connect. And um, I think we, we get into the artistry of it. Again, Lee Pace, amazing. This scene where if you combine it with the last scene, like it gave me the feeling that this is like a deep in addiction addict who's just had his fix and it is fleeting. It is going away. This this latest fix is not lasting at all. Like you can see the joy that he's had for exterminating these these people like fade in, in seconds. And then he needs another one. So he comes back. It's like now what we're like, he's he's like high off of this action. Oh, I just think it's who he is through and through. I mean, this is the most day thing day has ever done. If you look at how he treated that uh, the servant that was like fraternizing Mm -hmm. with Dawn too much. Right. Like he takes her out to the middle of the garden. It wasn't just fraternizing. It turns out she was trying to subvert the entire genetic dynasty. But yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah. But he takes her out to the garden and he doesn't just kill her. He doesn't just kill the people who are involved in this plot. He kills anybody who's ever known her. The entire memory. He's wiping away her in that scene. What he's trying to do here is wipe away the foundation. Yeah. like Anyone that's ever heard of foundation is gone. As Bell Rio said, like, look, I gave you the one atrocity. And I also thought it was really strong for him not to mention Glaywin. He's just keeping in like, this is just business. I'm setting aside the personal. Look, I gave you your atrocity because I understand in your logic you have to brutalize someone as a punishment, but I did this so we wouldn't have to do it again. Now you're, um, and I do like that he says no here. Um, yeah, that seems like, like a bridge too far for for the, even for Glaywin. You know, he, he can't say well, there's a greater good still to be done by you. So, and I also love how they they weave that uh, Bagada uh, Gavita, I think as I pronounce it, theme that like the warrior just I don't think this is a just war. I don't, and the god is saying essentially, look, just sure, play your pull, 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 uh, role and do uh, do your duty in life, and everything's going to work out. And Bell did, and it did. Mm-hmm. 
You know, like this was like if, if he hadn't, if Bell had refused to take the mission, if Bell had done this, like none of the Harry's plan wouldn't have worked. Or maybe it would have worked out in some other uh, infinite complex way. <laughs> sure, sure. But I, I really like how that paid off, that like his faith in Glaywin and himself and his sailors uh, was rewarded. And honestly, the whole theme of this episode is faith rewarded. Um, yeah, I think so. And uh, uh, yo, go ahead. I, I was going to talk about Hober a little bit because he, you know, gets uh, a lot of dialogue here. He gets to reveal the plan as it stood. Um, he talks about how the plan was, you know, to get Day to bring. He says ordering your entire fleet to Terminus, which makes me wonder if this is everything Empire's got. I think so. Warships, I not obviously civilian like transport sure, craft yeah. and things. Because as someone pointed out. Maybe it's even Pete uh, when we're caught. Like Dimmerzel took a jump ship back to. So there's at least one. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> she, uh huh. Yeah. She's going to be busy as a sole UPS driver for the Imperium for the next uh, couple of years. But uh, yeah. So like as I far think. As yeah. Go. Holy moly! They really there was hundreds, if not thousands, of ships in orbit. I didn't fully appreciate mm-hmm. like that it was the entire fleet. It wasn't just a twentieth. It was like the entire galactic fleet. Apparently, yeah. Um, and then Hober, <laughs> you know, his his lines about uh, as a frog's ass watertight. He's he's endlessly entertaining, even when he's getting his ass kicked. Is he still? Because my my headcanon is that he's still provoking Empire because it's not done. Like he needs Empire to give that order to jump and confirm I, it for it. To, I, like he's not stopping pissing day off until day commits. Like he has to give the order to jump, has to execute. I think and then, he already had. I'm I'm not sure because um, I don't think he starts beating his ass. Oh, until he reveals after his bait. Yeah, so he's just doing it for his own satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got nothing to lose. He's dead, right? He knows it. Yeah. yeah. Now he's just getting his jabs in. It, it's like Bell, you know, but glad he actually got to kick Day out of an airlock. Uh, Did you have any problem with the super command sequence that disabled all boats and tubes and also transposed everybody's hyperspace lanes and each other? No. no. Okay, I didn't. I mean, that seems all technically reasonable, I guess. Yeah. Um, You don't want people trying to jump, (laughs) trying to leave a ship that's about to jump, you know? One thing I was confused is the Imperial Guard. Yeah, they're slow to act. They're, They're either telling me... Uh, the only thing they could possibly be telling me is that the Imperial Guard, much like the one that was working for uh, Rue and Sarath, is like not a big fan. Like this is how far the Empire has degenerated that even the Praetorian Guard kind of is like, should we jump in and save this guy? Fuck, they'll just decant another. Uh, yeah, I feel like that they waited a little, to too, a little too long for Day to say don't don't intervene here that's what i'm saying he should have said immediately. that he said should have said it immediately but i think they're trying i actually think that they're trying to say that this is this is another mm-hmm. example of the empire losing control like his most loyal maybe so guards and supporters are kind of hesitant to save him because he should they should i did and that's th- th- my first thing because like i um you know when i first watched this i'm like man i'm not sure uh that i really like that we have this big showy fight scene when we could have spent time like explaining some things better but like the more i watch it the more i love the fight scene and the oh, more yeah. i don't think you need extra explanation or the fact that i don't that i don't think there's an extra explanation that would help but like i love how just like you know this day 
I has been I've pointed out all season long just more vulgar than the other days like mm-hmm. the, the degeneracy in his like mental and philosophical outlook and he's just like you know he's just like a pig rooting in the mud like he loves as he spits blood over Bella Rios's face which made him look yeah, awesome dude, by I the way love, I I the, just love the the toxicity between these guys right because what you're really dealing with is like ideologies you're dealing with a guy yeah. who rules uh you know says oh you didn't you didn't do this because i needed a symbol you did it because i told you to right. uh versus bell who you know has a sense of morality and that's what they're fighting about here yeah and and just uh, the the acid between these characters right it feels well, like this fight yeah. needed to happen and it's the only time it could happen like if you remember Day took off his aura to it prove yep. that he was not afraid of the right. the mighty Harry Seldon, right? Mm-hmm. And so now he doesn't have it, and this is the only time the Bell could actually get a punch in on him. No, I I love that. I love how like as Day is in the middle of talking about how you puny humans essentially with your little lives don't matter, and Bell takes that to spit blood right back in his face. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and in the castling, yeah. I thought that was another great moment where it's like. As soon as it happened, oh I'd forgotten about it. And uh-huh. as soon as it happened, I'm like, a fucking course. He castled. And it's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't matter. It would be cheap, except for they're all doomed anyway, right? Sure, sure. And it's like, it's just a moment of defiance to a god. And these individual things of fighting when, it, you know, like like Harry's getting at the end of the episode. Like, why do why do you keep fighting? Why do you in, in helpless situations? And just to shine him on. And I will say this. Who, I cannot even believe I'm saying this, but Bell Rios outwore Cleon's own fucking outfit. <laughs> Dude, I he love looks so he... badass with that chainmail uh-huh. blouse, them shiny hammer pants, and that blood covered face. Oh my god! Glaywin could only see. Glaywin could only see. What a what what a fucking badass! I I did not notice until the scene where they were drinking wine that he castled into his clothes, and I'm like, yes. oh, of course he did. That's perfect. And and I think that Ben Daniels, he like his physicality changed. He's like it, his performance changes a bit as soon as Day's clothes castle onto him. It's it's like a subtle right. difference, but I I I love it. Bell yeah. Rios, a great character, and then th- these are my two new favorite characters, and it's sad because they're gonna die. <laughs> but what a way to go out! Did you uh t- did you wonder if you could castle somebody through an aura? If you castle their clothes. I, unless there's some kind of protective field that the aura gives you against that too, I would think you would just castle right into their bracelet as well. If anyone could, I think the found day because they understand both technologies. So mm-hmm. if there's a way to defeat an aura through castling, they could do it. So yeah, I'd probably, I would probably be certain. Now you could probably build an aura that couldn't. You know, it's like an arms race. You know, but I would suppose I, a right now, yeah. Is it going to be a problem seeing a lot of well? are we going to see a lot of castling devices i guess unless harry also said all these you know crates full of castling devices are important to protect too and brought them into the vault that we probably don't have any right now all the ones we know of were blown up most likely i will say that's a dangerous road for science fiction because i've seen like beshitted star wars and star trek fans where they get to the point where like you know in star trek's thousand episode history there is a technological solution to everything that would solve the crisis that no one can solve at this very point. Mm-hmm. And it's like and also one implemented by the very characters who are in the scene. Scratching exactly. Their heads. Yeah. 
Exactly. But if, if you if you will never enjoy it in science fiction, if you're like, well, why can't the right. magic technology save them this time? It's like, yeah, the best they can do a good job of like building little fins of logic around it. And I think this show does this very well. But like, yeah, I'm not going to get into like, well, why don't they just castle and, you know, why didn't Gail? It's like, yeah, I I, I don't want to get I don't want to become a bitch. I think the show is inviting fan. that, though. That's the problem is the show it, with its trickiness is inviting those kinds of interrogation that, that's what i'm saying it is it is baiting some insane theory crafting um yeah. so we'll we'll see if that uh gets reined in um how disorienting would it be for day in this scene that, that's what i was thinking like he's one he's standing inside the airlock watching bell go out and suddenly he can't breathe and he's freezing and like his last thought is what the fuck and what sucks is that he will never know it because when uh-huh. he gets decanted, he won't remember that he got fucking owned by Bell Rios. But it's yeah. like Lee Pace puts it out there, man. Like mm-hmm. I, I talked about, you know, I shared on my Twitter, like when Becky bites, bites into his ass, the face he makes, the faces he made when he got thrown. Because he yeah, like the shock <laughs> of like, ah, I fucking did it. And now I'm dying in space. Uh-huh. How did this? <laughs> he didn't even know castling was a thing. Yeah. And, you know, of all the people thrown out into space I've seen this season, this this year of television watching, which has been more than you'd expect, uh, this is one of the more scientifically accurate. I could do without the the the, the, the super rapid freeze, but I'm not even sure if the, anything more than okay. his snot and sweat and blood froze, you know? Pretty sure. good. Pretty good. Pretty good accurate depiction of someone getting thrown out into the vacuum of space. Kudos. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, our dynastic empire is experiencing some genetic drift. We'll be right back. The algorithm says the podcast will continue. Welcome back to Foundation. Uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you buy... That this imperial vessel has a cleaning pod that has 24 hours of oxygen could be jettisoned. I don't know what they mean by cleaning pod. Are people t- going out into space to clean the surface of the thing or is it automated? Scraping, scraping the windows. If it's automated, definitely not. There would be no need. Unless that's a storage compartment for the automated robot to get tools out of or something. Here's my thing. And if I was on a writer staff, uh, I might have... Because like... In my experience, if a warship has one thing, it's going to have a bunch of those things, right? Sure, sure. Like, especially when it's something mundane as, like, a cleaning module or something like that. Can you imagine, like, a USS aircraft carrier and they all have one toilet scrubbing brush? Or, mm-hmm. you know, if, they, if they've if they got a the pneumatic piston for their uh, the catapult, they probably got five of those things below deck, right? Yeah. I wish he had said this flagship because me and glay when we're doing this infiltration is 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 outfitted with a single use like infiltration pod that could keep uh one operative alive for 24 hours and you know i only got one i'll give it to you i I don't know it's 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 a very small thing in contanza but like it did bug me that's like a fucking clean what that what is that but whatever couldn't they have shot them out the uh well i guess maybe the landing pod things were the landing sheets saying, like, were I, closed off. Yeah, you couldn't do torpedoes because, like, they again, they have they either have a zero or a thousand of those things. So it's like if they can launch one torpedo mm-hmm. and fit, they could probably launch a bunch. So it's like they had to have something 
that wasn't something launched from a tube, that wasn't a lifeboat, that was something that 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 like the spacers wouldn't know a standard equipment. But yeah, I'm a cleaning pod, whatever. I'm 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 happy that I'm happy it wasn't a total party wipe because mm-hmm. it would have been an, honestly almost too much if Constant had died too. Yeah, because there's another type of like a nihilism. Like if like Game of Thrones almost got to that to some people. Like Game of Thrones and some of those seasons had killed like maybe one or two more beloved characters. Maybe people like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm I'm tired of getting kicked in nuts like all the time. Like give me something. So I'm glad they gave me something with Constant. And their final goodbye, the hope, the joke that didn't mm-hmm. let them suffer. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. My name's Hope. No, but wouldn't it be something? such a great uh, such a great final line does it bother you that harry does not decide to save hober because he certainly has the ability i don't think it's a decision i think it's just the way and i think H- hober must have gone into this with his eyes open he's the only one that mm-hmm. well i guess him and the spacers are the ones that went in ever bell rios kind of la- uh, fig leafs the other moral side of it by saying i know my soldiers and they would be cool with this um hober wasn't but, like do i have to die i mean you're gonna save all of terminus why can't you save me too he saves everyone on terminus that's a good like could you provide him with one extra casting device how far does casting devices work right i don't know maybe he would have just I mean, got it clearly well, well, I harry... I, so i didn't think it was castling i you... harry says the vault has many abilities and it and i don't think everybody castled in there i don't i don't think they have to i think harry can just grab people and bring them into the vault uh you're right i'm I, when i say cast i don't mean they literally use casting devices i mean like whatever teleportation technology the castling thing is behind the harry must be able to do that without like a beacon because i imagine that's what it is it's a yeah, point-to-point yeah. transporter and these are like beacons somehow and he can just do it like he's just essentially the enterprise he can just beam people up mm-hmm. yeah so i i don't know i feel like it had to because like I, I thought like i could just believe that in the time it takes emperor to go from uh, uh the planet side to orbit that you could if you hustled got like i don't know I thought of thousands. I don't know about tens of thousands of people in like if you because it's not that far. It's not a big march. You just march them into the vault. But like Glaywin, mm-hmm. there's no fucking way he could have made it there. And so like Polly, there, there like was he, some we kinda... saw him not get there. So <laughs> although, like I said, I rewatched that scene and they do not show Polly get enveloped by the wave. They cut away just the frame before, um, which is their the the, the excuse for the shenanigans, I'm sure. But they do but for yeah, sure. But no. he, he was definitely teleported into the vault. There was no chance yeah. he walked into it. Yeah, but I don't think that Harry can save everyone everywhere. Like I don't think Harry could save people from Trantor from Terminus. So I guess it's probably just it's out Why of range. Not? Why not? We don't know because it's no not idea. literally magic. <laughs> it's technology uh-huh, but, dis- indistinguishable from it. Yeah, but we have zero idea what the range on that is. True. No, I'll have to wait for. And then, hey, it, uh, did you want to make a foundation technical manual and release that? I will pay uh-huh. upwards of thirty nine ninety nine. If it's a hardcover I've, coffee I've, table I've, book, maybe, maybe up to sixty nine ninety nine. Damn, I, I already pre ordered the art book, so I'm in for that too. <laughs> Why not? Um. So then you've got the. Uh, well, I guess we got to go to Dawn. I forget. Or do you want to? Yeah, uh, we uh, we pretty much talked about the the scene where you know Bell takes them over and ejects Constant, um, and then they head off to share some wine. We'll get back to that scene here in a second. 
but uh, Dawn breaks Sarath out of her quarters and they flee together. I don't know about this scene. How how did Sarath get out of this hood? It it was always my no, I was always under the impression that when someone was black bagged like this, they stayed black bagged. I believe Dimmerzel said to take the queen into custody and confine her to quarters before day could come and decide what to do with her. So seems like she's I, already decided. Uh, I, I think it's I didn't I did not think that about the black bags. In fact, I feel like people have been brought hmm. in and out of black bags in the previous season. I just thought that's just like your your standard uh, detain and arrest device. And uh, as soon as she got back to her quarters, they'd let her go because she is. It's tricky. Like, sh- I think Demerzel's still trying to play yeah try to play this scenario out where she's trill trying to do the thing that she wanted to do which is frame sarah for murder have day decide on his own free will quote unquote to have her executed and she can get things back exactly how they were and then she's happy right or as close as it gets to an enslaved mentally enslaved robot for happiness doesn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. that make sense so like she's not going to like just keep her bagged up and throw her in a dungeon she's going to treat her how a noble lady should be taught, you know, like you don't murder. She says there's all this evidence. Like she tells Don, there's all, you know, there's actual hard evidence that she planned the assassination. Mm -hmm. I I think you, you should take that prisoner into custody and keep them there. I don't, I don't think you let them sit in their quarters. I think you take them to a cell. I think I believe that it's like, like I said, like it, but it's like you don't put Sansa Stark in the fucking dungeons. I mean, maybe Joffrey would, but you keep her locked up in a, ta- you know, in, in a tower cell or something like that. But it's not like it, you know, it doesn't look like a dungeon. So if I, Sansa I Stark never... had tried to kill the king, you probably would keep her locked. Didn't up. Didn't Sansa Stark try to kill the king a time or two? But anyway, Pro- at you're, some you're... point. But I probably when she was in power. <laughs> I think your point is. Um, I mean, I guess I, I guess I just disagree. I think it was fine that she's held. I, I think that Dimmerzel supremely confident in her ability to hold on to the queen. Now, maybe she shouldn't be. Maybe she doesn't see Dawn being as ballsy as he is. Um, she's that's the other thing. Is I think <laughs> really? Dimmerzel at this After point is getting... literally fixed his balls to but impregnate her. Like I guess she he, knows about. She all does that. reveal yeah. she knows all that to to, to Dawn. She knows the dust, everything she? that's happened. That's this is thing. one of the You've questions right. we had. Are people watching? Yes, Timberzell's and, been watching everything. In fact, I'm morally certain that the reason the kid emperors are given a tour of all the places where they can't be is just so they feel safe to go plot treachery, so Dimmerzel can keep yeah. them. Like. I, yeah, it's like the parent saying, this is your plotting zone. I could never hear anything that goes on in this room, but that's the room that's most wired for sound. Totally. Um, so where were we? Uh, what are, oh, I, yeah, I just I just think that she's trying to still maintain the illusion that Day's in control and giving him the ultimate choice to kill her and treating her like a noble lady up until that point. Uh, it, yeah, I feel like it's a Dimmerzel move. Okay, maybe it's just a mistake at the end of the day um, on her part. Anyway, we go back over to Terminus where the ships continue to explode. Bell and Hober share their fancy wine as they await their demise, and they're killed during an unlikely toast. Let's just call it that. I love it. The exact moment of destruction, they clink glasses. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this is all Vita stuff, you know, the him saying that Hey, I three weeks ago I thought I was gonna die in this prison colony. 
Um, me and Glaywin knew that we're never going to make it out of this alive, but there is glory and honor in the fight, you know, and the dying. Mm -hmm. Like this is a, there's a nobility to choosing this and saving the lives of trillions. Yeah, we've all got to go out. What better way? And and I like the the the, the I guess destruction of pretensions here, right? Like at the, at the beginning when they both sip the wine, they're like, oh yeah, that's got a. Oh, sweetness. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, hmm. And then at, they're both staring out the window, looking at the ships exploding and realizing we have very few moments left. Why are we doing this? Why are we We're lying to, to ourselves? To like yeah. This shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're just like, yeah, it's a terrible bottle. Tastes like and then Becky's they toast asshole. to Becky's asshole, <laughs> which is kind of perfect. Yeah. I love it. Uh, then we go back over to Dimmerzel, who's meeting with her council here. She gets word of the fleet's destruction, but that's not the only bad news. Dawn and Sarath are currently announcing to the public that Day is dead and they'll be getting married instead. Of course, turns out not to be Dawn and Sarath, but rather her servants using facial scramblers. Dimmerzel then gets a call from the real Dawn and Sarath, who are headed away from Trantor on a ship. Dawn makes an emotional plea for not coming after them, but her programming mandates that she hunt them down and kill them. I think. I'm, this is one that I'm very curious to see if there is a definitive answer that Goyer is willing to give about the final disposition of this dawn. Because, first of all, I want to say that this is something I was trying to get to at the previous scene, but like, I believe that Dimmerzel is just overwhelmed. Like, it, like she is responsible for the day-to-day -day functioning of the Galactic Empire. And then all this Cleon stuff and time, she's had to murder Dawn. Or she had to murder Dusk. Mm -hmm. She let, she, Day just profoundly disappointed her. And then he got murdered too. And now she thinks she's had to murder Dawn. She is, like, really overwhelmed. But my thing is, like, I felt like Dawn kind of talked himself to safety. And then Sarath put herself back in the danger by saying, I don't know if people forget about us. We got a rightful heir and he might be something like, damn, mm -hmm. don't. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Sarath got, got into Sarath. Um, except for the thing is, is like, I don't, I think Bell Rios has defanged the empire for like at least a decade. Judging on, what it looks like it takes the empire to build like space rings or build the elevator you know they have vast resources but they're not unlimited and i mm -hmm. think it will take them some time to rebuild and they don't and also they don't have the spacers to make the technology that they have work so like the empire has permanently been defanged as far as i can understand and it's not just defanged i think this more than anything we've seen is uh, the largest crack. I mean, this is a shattering. This this is empire getting terminus. Uh, you know, f shattering into pieces and falling away from its own gravity. Yeah. Well, like yeah, the the, the factionization that's going to happen, the factionalization rather, uh, that's going to happen in the empire is going to be profound. I think in the next hundred and fifty years, because if yeah. you don't have that technology uniting it and keeping everyone in even nearby the systems at this point under the thumb of empire why are they going to continue to i mean they, they might not even be it might not be logistically possible for them to coordinate with empire yeah. let alone uh having the will of those people to do it right 
Yeah, I've seen like science fiction franchises where you have a galactic empire that's tied together by a tightly knit strain of trade, you know, a system of trade and, you know, military mm-hmm. support. They're reliant what on happens. the rest of the empire for their Well, just imagine livelihood. if like, yeah, like internal combustion stopped working tomorrow. Uh-huh. Like just imagine no more trucks, no more ships going electric, over the ocean, no more trains. Quick. <laughs> yeah, like you've got like there are workers, but they're not going to be workarounds for everybody. There's not near enough electric and nuclear things to make civilization work in the yeah, short yeah. term, maybe not even the long term. You might not survive this collapse. Um, so like I'm yeah, like this is if maybe the Empire can keep going off a little bit just on mystique, because like is it going to be common knowledge, especially in the core worlds that the Empire has no military vessels, but you know, no, they did have the like, monopoly, so people can't like other than the foundation can't monopolize on this weakness right away. But you're you're right; it is well, it, a, a giant crack. Yeah, and a foundation is out there, you know, jumping around the galaxy, telling people, "Hey, we've got the solution to your problem here." Oh, you're hungry because you can't get your shipments from yeah. City Alpha Five, whatever. Here, yeah. we've got the solution for you, right? Yeah, we got the super food food that cures all your ills, and we got the ships that can take it to you, and we won't even charge. Yeah, it's this almost feels like a, a death blow to to Empire, but I know that it can't be yet because we haven't gotten far enough in the show. And even it, it feels like, like a huge blow. This is what Harry's talking about shortening. Yes, the because can you imagine how long it would take to to erode away just a little more naturally the strength of empire it would take oh yeah 10 10,000 years right yeah. as, as harry says here i feel like he just accelerated that by several thousand oh and, and like there still will be death throes from some a beast this large and vast and dangerous but like for you, sure you're right like like the empire the the amount of shit that they could continue to do with a fleet of uh t- 20,000 ships is going to be I mean, they just can't do it no more. Yeah. It'd be like if if overnight, you know, America lost all of its aircraft carriers, all of its planes, all of its tanks, all of its and with no ability to build more, you know, Uh, it's like, wow, it's the the, the galactic implications are going to be vast. And I just wondered, like, yeah, to me, it's like, what is Dimmerzel? Because there is a glimmer of hope for Empire at the end that is an empire enjoyer i i like mm-hmm. a glimmer of hope for mm-hmm. the empire uh dimmerzel's got something cooked up with the prime radiant yeah but we also know read. we also know that we know something about the prime meridian that prime meridian god damn it uh my goal for season three is to get through it without calling the prime radiant the prime meridian <laughs> we'll see we'll see uh but we know something about prime meridian she doesn't that it's uh it's a spying device as well so even mm-hmm. as she's gloating over her triumph you can't help but think that you know harry's still one step ahead yeah i mean um, it, the don the don sarah stuff feels pretty insignificant compared to the blow that harry dealt empire with the destruction of the fleet like okay a story is one thing but like people live day-to-day lives that are going to be oh yeah immediately affected by that destruction it reminded me of like um, in Revelation where God's given prophesying about the the Messiah and Satan. And he's like, uh, you're going to Satan's going to give you a blow to the heel, but you're going to give him a blow to the head. Essentially, yeah. you know, like and that's like Christ got crucified, but ultimately he's going to you know put the screws to the devil. Right. And I think that's exactly like the foundation took a, maybe a cosmetic blow. They lost their home. But like it's nothing compared to what they did to the empire. I'm just thinking, like, story-wise, 
how does the Don and Sarah stuff factor in in a way that matters? You know, I think I'd see there's like ton, like there's tons of mule. I mean, that's going to be the new hot theory crafting <laughs> is who the mule is. Where did, is he mm-hmm. a descendant of uh, Don and Sarah? Is he a descendant of uh, uh, Hober and Constant? Is he that's this is going to be the hotbed of theory crafting in between season two or three? Who is the mule? Where did he come from? Is yeah. he is he a degenerate em- emperor? Is he, yeah. But um, I don't know because like I I believe that 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 will go somewhere. But I I also like if you had to put a gun in my head right now and tell me whether Dimmerzel her logic sensors trip to allow Day to escape or not, I I don't have an answer. Like I I might get my brains blown out because I guess I guess if I had to bet the more interesting story possibility is for her to let him go and see where the chips fall but like i don't know if i feel like that's consistent with my understanding of how dimmer cell actually would act well i like that don makes a logical plea here for how his escape might be good for empire right mm-hmm. I, I think that's the thing that might free her in a way is a little bit of perspective judo say well you know this thing could be good for the empire because xyz or whereas, killing us would be bad for the empire is i think the it, totally yeah um and so you don't want to do anything to harm empire um it, that i wonder how much we're going to play on that next time like her own perspective on what is good or bad mm-hmm. for empire now that we know she's the one leading it and we can directly attack these ideas i'm kind of curious what they do with them and they're throwing the word interpretation, which means I think in the show's mind that we're supposed to think that there is some flex that so she has. Yeah. And obviously she does like, you know, um, but yeah. also she's got a bunch of rigid rules that aren't open for interpretation. Like she wants someone to deprogram her, but she could not. Her programming would not allow that to happen. Yeah, um, she mentions the puppet I, master pulling her own strings when she's talking to Dusk earlier. And I was thinking, yeah. well, she has to kind of pull her own strings in some ways. Right. Because she has to reason what is good or bad for Empire. Right, right. I wonder, so, do you think that the Cleon, because that's what I say, it goes back to that that scene in the first season where Cleon's saying the programming's nearly complete. I am wondering if, like, the first few years of him and Dimmerzel's association, he had to keep making a modification because she kept on finding, like, loopholes. <laughs> and, uh-huh. Or was he just, like, I don't know, maybe he spent his entire life in intellect, bending his, you know, putting her into an intellectual philosophical box, but... If so, yeah. good job. Yeah, lasted six hundred years. I, I don't. Th- I don't think any program I first compiled Matt, <laughs> lasted six minutes, man. <laughs> right, right off the jump, just hit compile and it worked. What? Mm-hmm. And the stakes are an android will kill me if it doesn't. No, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I was never that good a programmer. All right, just as Salvor and Gale and Harry are all getting comfortable with the idea of Tellum's death, she returns in the form of a murderous Josiah who tries to kill Gale but ends up killing Salvor when she sacrifices herself to save Gale and later that night they hold a funeral for Salvor I always think it's funny when you are seeing this group uh, funeral pyres like are you just going to sit there and watch this person burn to like at some point you're just like all right it's getting gross now oh this is this is smelling this is smelling like bacon I'm getting hungry we got (laughs) to <laughs> we gotta get out of here. Or, Every uh, single hair is burning now. I can't stand this. I gotta go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because it's I'm like it's bored. gotta be horrific. Like the body's to... gonna take a while to burn. I'm bored. I'm leaving. <laughs> that too. That too. 
Yeah, it takes a lot of a lot of calories for the heat to dissolve uh, a human body. But I I, I, I want to know how they get her to sit up like this. Do they do they construct a, a jig that they put her in until rigor mortis want, sets in, and then I now they can pose too. her up here? They like also, plastered her up. No funeral for Josiah. Betrayer Josiah, I guess, controlled by Tellum. No funeral for him. It's just Salvor. Fuck Josiah. Nah. We threw his body in the ocean. No, nah, he's a, he's he's he gets a mural with a green slash on his neck. That's the best we can do for the betrayer. Yeah, don't let your mind get taken over and be forced to commit murder because these people are not gonna be not gonna honor you at all. It is a cute scene. I, I do think that these this was vital because without the death, like if Hober and Bell die, I don't think there is enough cost that the protagonist played that you, that all these other arguments are talking about it being tricksy and false except They would have like even more because it would feel like it would feel very hollow, but they really got like, I always thought Salver like never looked more appealing than when she's sitting there with the kids kind of like fucking with them with the coin. And she really seemed like she was, you know, m- you know, maturing into like someone that's comfortable in her own skin and knows where she's placed in the world and just as that's happening and everything looks all right in the kingdom of Harry, this this shocking thing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was played. And I, I thought that also they did uh, excellent work showing that, you know, this is very traumatic. This is Gale losing yet another person. Um, and the optimism too. Her daughter, right? Like her daughter. Yeah. That she yeah. felt, you know, like she that this one thing tell him uh got her on that she feels guilty that she hasn't really bonded with. And this person took a literal bullet for her and is now dying. And in her fa- last few minutes, she's got this extreme optimistic take that, like, hey mom, this means that we're not doomed to determinism. We can actually change the future. Um mm-hmm. which was a, a beautiful uh, moment too. And yeah, I think that this this felt like this paid to freight for the rest of the episode. Like this was shocking. I didn't expect it to happen. I was curious to see how they were going to, you know, again, load them up into the, the cryopods. And but th- I, I liked how this ended. And my question to you is, are we 100 percent sure that Tellum's dead? How could we be? Ooh, I don't like that answer. How could we be? <laughs> I mean, she could have jumped into somebody else before Josiah died. Like. This is the problem with the stuff that borders on magic, right? Is yeah, and the metallics more than anything, I think, border on magic. Yeah, well, and the other corollary that you can do anything as long as you do it well is another one, which is every time you do it, it has to be better. Like you have to top yourself <laughs> if you're doing these difficult sure. things, and the, the di- degree of difficulty and maintaining people's suspension of disbelief gets higher and higher. So it's like the end of season two, we're already asking, are people really dead? Um, that 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 would be that that'd be something to be concerning to me. Uh, I think that they like that to me. I want to take a start again. You can do anything as long as you do it well. But I'm of the opinion that if Tellum survived somehow after telling her that after we hear Josiah, who's there with her, saying he can feel her die with him, if she ends up being the mule, some kind of psychically jacked mule, I'm I'm yeah. I I don't know. That's that that would be that would be a tough one to do well. I think. Yeah, um, I, I could definitely see it happening, but also I don't necessarily want it to. It's a but it's a great scene. Like I thought, three generations of Seldons essentially um, all embracing as one, the youngest generation is is the, the you know as another sacrifice to the to brightening the future. I thought was another beautiful moment as well. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, Constant floats in space where Terminus used to be as her auction runs low. Uh, suddenly she sees the vault and is taken inside it where she sees not only was Polly saved by Dr. Selden, but so was every single soul on Terminus, including Glaywin. Uh, I figured the vault would remain. I I didn't see a reasonable yeah, you called that. explanation for them being able to destroy it. I did not see huge switcheroo number three, which undermines all the praise I gave them last episode. That's So I, I'm not as mm-hmm. offended by this as I am about the Gale Harry stuff because it is what it is, but like I gave so much praise about the audacity of actually mm-hmm. destroying this planet last episode and what a huge swing that was. Turns out it was not a swing at all. It was a yeah. strike. They fucking missed. Uh, I I don't like this from that perspective. It, it makes it makes episode nine retroactively worse, right? I don't know about that. I have a hard time saying that because I was made a reasonable interpretation and got excited about the possibility of storytelling from a plot beat that them undoing it as long as they did it well is something I'm going to like, you know, have a negative reaction to. Like, I don't know if that's fair. It certainly diminishes what I felt about episode nine. I thought episode nine was this huge swing. I mean, like I said, I can't tell you how to feel. Um, I can tell you how I felt, which is like when I when Constance there, uh, I'm like, I wonder what's going to happen. And then when the vault shows up, I started laughing. I'm like, God damn it. Jim is fucking right. And then my next thought is like, oh, shit, Jim's right. This is actually going to be bad. But I tell you what, man, when Polly stepped out, I started getting choked up. When Glaywin stepped out, I got really choked up. And then, like, I, I don't think we talk enough about the music. I think the Foundation main theme is really oh, awesome. Oh, it's amazing. I wanted to bring and that up the here. the way yeah. it integrates into the various scenes of season has been amazing. And the way the music swelled and when you just panned up and you saw the massive humanity, this arc of humanity that Harry Selden, by thine own hand, had saved. I got really emotional. And to me, it's like, that's the definition of doing it well, that I wasn't rolling my eyes, that every rev, rev and, the, the, and, and it's again, it's, it's the direction, it's the music, it's, it's the Harry, like, I want to believe that Harry saves, you know? Like, that's the thing, is I talk about, like, I, I find it impossible to not make comparisons between this and Dune and Warhammer and how much I love Warhammer's grim darkness. But the reason you put up with its grim darkness is every once in a while, the Emperor fucking protects. And that's like the high. That's what keeps you reading the rest of the bullshit that happens is because every once in a while you get a happy ending. And I felt like this was earned. Dr. Selden protects. All right. Yeah, Um, I I don't disagree. It's it's a it's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful image. Uh, The music is amazing here. Foundation theme is awesome. Um, I just wish I could go back and have not said the things I said about episode nine in retrospect, right? Yeah. Um, I will say this to like, that's where I'm saying that the death of Hober and uh, Bell was crucial because if they had staggered sure. out of that light, that yeah, would yeah. have taken the genuine emotionized feeling and turned it instantly saccharine and I probably would have hated it. So like, Got Again, it. to me, they threaded the needle. And this is this is mm-hmm. a high degree of difficulty to pull off. I don't expect everybody, you know, like I, this might be the Carrie Strug broken ankle. Uh, Bella Corolla coming out. The, God damn, I always get that. Lego, it's not Bella Lugosi. Well, whoever. 
whoever the old fucking coach was going on dragon. It, it, it was kind of that level, but fuck it got enough to win the gold for me. Uh, all this indistinguishably magical technology makes me wonder about Harry uh, earlier on. And we've talked around this kind of about the Invictus. Um, how much, how much technology is out there that I guess uh is is waiting to be rediscovered that Harry could harvest for his magical tech because all this vault stuff he created 150 years ago as a professor at Streeling or whatever um doing research on Trantor where did he get all that how how did he come up with that you know he's a brilliant I'm mathematician but cuz i've been thinking about this for like 2 weeks yeah i'm super curious to know like how did he get so far ahead of the curve so back to the Warhammer Dune thing about one thing about those universes is like you have a big roar with uh, AI and robots and humans win by the skin of their teeth and they ban all that technology. Mm-hmm. But there's a cost like that technology was good for humanity. It made a lot of things better, stronger, faster, more efficient. And they've got workarounds mm-hmm. like in Dune. You've got the uh, Mintats, right? The guys that mainline the spice and they roll their eyes back in their head and they do insane uh, Bacchus calculations in their heads They kind of get around the 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 need for computers and and uh uh warhammer you've got uh you know servitors and 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 uh, you know uh, essentially human brains and instead of computers piloting starships kind of like what they're doing a foundation Mm -hmm. but there's always a cost like you almost never like there's some you take a step back in technological advancement because you're just shunting off a huge area where humans could benefit from right so my head canon is that the Empire, as sophisticated as is, is that doesn't hold a candle to where they were pre the robot wars when we were with hand in hand having yeah. robot support help us. So like what Harry's doing is he's going back without any blinders in terms of like legalities and moralities. He's going back mm-hmm. and rediscovering all this research. Um, I wonder if the Calais is a indication of that. That's something that he's awakened from thousands of years ago. Um, but I think he's just essentially he's not inventing things. He's just doing yeah. he's reapplying things that humanity forgot in our technological stagnation. Yeah, that would make a certain amount of sense. Uh, let's go over to Gail grieving her daughter's death by trying to figure out how or if it changed the future. And Harry explains that they can't know. But just like the loss, his, his loss of Yana, he says the losses can be used as fuel to try to make them matter, essentially. Uh, take the pain and the what ifs and weave them into a narrative that propels us forward. I keep going because Yana can't. It's a beautiful scene. Um, yeah, how, how do you deal with a loss this big? You give it meaning. You make it matter. Certainly one like way. it's it's not yeah. like don't 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 let history decide. You get out there and you make it matter. Um, yeah, give it meaning through your actions. Take that and use it. Yeah, I I thought this is a scene and it's essentially this is um. You know, I don't often think of Jared Harris as like this physically powerful performance, uh, you know, like a, a physical presence. I always think of him like an intellectual presence, you know, mm-hmm. but like I remember when we we're watching Lincoln and he was like Ulysses S. Grant. And I'm like, God damn, he's actually a pretty good Grant. And like when he was like beating that mentalic to death in the first this episode, I'm like, God, he's actually got and, and climbing that cliff. Like it didn't didn't strike me as ridiculous as I thought, because it turns out Jared Harris is also kind of like a formidable character. And I think all that stuff came together in this scene. Like, he's just so damn good. You want to like Harry. You want to believe in Harry. Mm-hmm. You want to believe that Harry can protect and it's under control. And every, and, and not because he's like this 
untouchable, unaccountable, like Wizard of Oz character. He's, it's like, uh, he's very Christ-like. The whole idea that why Christ gets us is because he lived among us. He has experienced the loss of, of family and friends and he knows what that feels like. And Harry talks about like, you know, he's not blowing sunshine up Gail's ass. I've lost the people that were very closest to me and like have philosophized it enough that they even think that like maybe if they'd lived it would have been bad for the galaxy because I would have been complacent and you know we wouldn't we, we wouldn't be trying to shorten the darkness um mm-hmm. I this again like, this is another amazing scene yeah it's, it's moments like this that make me that endear me to Harry whereas I sometimes look at him and think well he's simply a man lost in his own legacy um, and he wants to be the guy who saves humanity so bad that he can't let any of this go. It's mo- moments like this that turn that around and say, "Well, you know why? What, what is his re- what is his drive here? And is it ultimately a good one, whether he has a huge ego or not? Because he does have a huge ego. And and oh, bring it 100%. back around at the end of this episode, I really like that Gale is able to for the first time ever, I think." convince him to change his mind about something yes which is another thing i think that uh, 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 a huge part of this episode is there's huge character development between yes and, and harry they're for the first time more of a true partnership uh-huh instead of master and apprentice it's more yes equals here and i think yes that is a place that feels really good after all this time yeah and gail can admit that she she can't do it alone she is like maybe i'm the chosen one but i need the, there need to be more of us yeah we'll talk about that when we get there because i think it's kind of hilarious um all right demerzel decants three clones at once something that's never been done in the history of the dynasty oh she the says, rare triple decantation we'll see what the eastern german judge says about this don't worry don't nothing to worry about you know, yeah, it's not normal, but nothing to worry about. I've got the prime radiant, and I see wonderful things in our future. Uh, I, there's something really macabre, almost in a way, about th- them stumbling out of these. Ch- the the breathing is very the Frankenstein's way moving, monster, it's, right? It's zombie, yeah, zombie Frankenstein's monster. Something really fucked up. And, and mechanic, mechanistic too like these three gentlemen all staggering forward in exact the same way and going to their head and like even like the ragged breathing everything ma- I, I mean the empire the empire plots don't miss this this shit oh, was yeah. just so fucking cool and the idea that like i think they came out of that pod not even knowing who they were until that ship started mm-hmm. flashing and i got it one of my questions is like is there some kind of like catch-up period the, the you know like how far back did their memories go like obviously i don't think dawn yeah. dawn dusk or day remember their last moments but how does day remember going off to terminus does he remember pushing the button does he like what does mm-hmm. he remember what doesn't he remember um because like dusk is with it enough to recognize the prime radiant and i asked dimmerzel a good question but they Mm -hmm. all seemed like they're just not quite re fully rebooted in this scene agreed yeah and i do question what they're going to tell day about how much he remembers and if not what they're going to tell him about foundation because as far as day is concerned foundation is destroyed or at least harry selden is dead I think Dimmerzel thinks that too. 
Like they're Dan not going to thinks suspect. that as well. Does does this does this day get the information that it was actually a huge failure on the Terminus mission? He has to, I right? Uh, yeah, I mean, like at bare minimum, the emperors have to know that the fleet's going to be has has gone. And to me, this is going to be yet more acrimony from the brothers. Can you imagine the fury that Dusk is going to have? That like, okay, maybe I just sat on the throne and painted, but at least I didn't lose our fucking fleet. Yeah, and the totally. new dawn's going to be like, seriously, I got to run an empire without a fucking fleet? Like, there's always been this jealousy of day and like second guessing and all that. But like, I think if we come back. And see, it's it's going to be all. Oh they're definitely going to throw the idea of making a mark on history in his face, right? <laughs> well, you made a mark. And the thing People I really will remember like you about for all time day. I'm glad you mentioned the fact that like the asymmetrical nature of the information. Is it possible? Because that's one of the things. Is like, oh my god, how are they going to get back to first foundation, second foundation kind of control? I wonder if they are going to flip because does the second foundation know that the first foundation survived? Like, I'm sure Harry and Gale Mm. will maybe, maybe because of the way the prime radiant works. But Harry gave up the, no, Harry gave up the prime radiant. I'm wondering if this, if they're going to reverse the roles they had in the books where the second foundation was the, right hand to the first foundation's left i wonder if now the first foundation is going to just act as if they are destroyed and dead and be the puppet masters of the second foundation interesting it's a radical departure but like be interesting and it's another way where it's like i'm not as pissed off that they dodged the cool thing because i think they're just doing a different version of the cool thing i was open to do and i'm just a little you know a residual butthurt that they didn't do my cool thing which is always a danger of following following (laughs) totally I can I can see that as a possibility given, um, j- just the way that I mean Harry's not going to have the information about the vault anymore, right? Because the vault's prime radiant is gone now; it's in the hands of Demerzel. Is that right? I believe so. And it's a quantum. I don't know, like quantum superposition. How many different superpositions going to be? in the quantum state like could you sure, have an but to number? me that's that that's telling me that there is now a seven like it, there's a pros and cons of that that i don't think the first foundation although i couldn't harry just build another one his own private copy you would think so either way i don't think the first foundation now i don't think the second foundation has any from what i can tell a clear path to spy on the second foundation and vice versa yeah if harry does find out that the first foundation was quote-unquote destroyed um he could assume that he's the only foundation and and i think it's interesting in the context of salvor giving that information to dr selden right like dr selden wasn't supposed to know that he wasn't the only foundation the only selden out there now yep. he does because of you know these infinite possibilities right these, um, yeah these little pebbles kicked loose yeah if salvor hadn't escaped she wouldn't have uh, been able to save Harry and Gale, but she also, in that process, gave Doctor Selden a whole bunch of information that he didn't have and wasn't supposed to have. But then, so, what's really been baking my noodle, to quote the 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 uh, the Oracle, is uh-huh. did Meat Sack Harry know and intend all these effects? Right, or was he just trusting in psychohistory that something is going? Because that's the thing. It's like if you go back to the Buddha Gavita 
philosophy is that like you have to kind of have faith that if you play your part things will work out and i wonder sure. if harry's like he has such faith and say like, i don't know exactly how this is going to work i just know that i got to keep doing this and something's going to happen mm -hmm. which again i think is really like it's it, it's a shame that the wavy lines of this mentalics and stuff distracted detracted from like i think of a lot of again like i said at the beginning themes that they've been weaving since the first fucking episode for uh, coming to full fruit well probably not full fruit just another harvest or two to reap hopefully uh but mm -hmm. but but yeah like it's it's a damn shame that some of the i guess theatrical things got in the way of what seems to be a really from my from my point of view again watch the fourth time thinking about it for two weeks a really not, maybe not perfect but ultimately satisfying way to conclude a superior season of science fiction television and this is where i like to be um informationally in a in a story i like for there to be a disparity a disparity between characters some of them know certain things i think there's a lot of a lot of possibilities there both for speculation on how the character would react and how this other character is going to proceed and also emotionally um, characters making decisions that seem completely rational from their side but are going to devastate or uh, otherwise affect other characters who are going to react differently to them, right? That's what I always love about a show. It's one of the things we talked about Breaking Bad that it did so well. Characters knowing things that other characters don't in any given time and playing with that. I think Foundation's really set up well to do that in season three, but it's also set up very well to, do to that start with the doing audience. magical bullshit with <laughs> mentalics and yeah. nobody being anywhere they they say they are and or being who they are. It's it could go either way, and I'm hoping it goes the former, not the latter. Let me ask because because Dimmerzel, her face is a million things at the end of the scene. When she says there's wonderful things that lie ahead, is she talking about the Empire? Is she talking about herself? Is she talking about the galaxy? Good question. Because I'm wondering if she sees a glimmer of a path to her own freedom through this thing, too. Because clearly, if you listen to what Harry and Dr. Selden are saying throughout the season, they've accounted for her in their plans, specifically. Mm -hmm. the, the, yeah, the, he knew the, of her existence. And artificial beings, that. yeah, yeah. And I think that's very exciting. Here's the thing I love about how they've set this up with Dimmerzel is she is able to speak her mind freely. It's her mm -hmm. actions that are affected, right? She can say, I hate yeah. this man. I this wish sucks. that I didn't have to kill you. I don't want mm -hmm. to, but my programming will force me to. So in this mm -hmm. moment, she could be saying, I see wonderful things ahead for myself getting out of these shackles. Right. Not necessarily for the Empire. It could be death and destruction for the Empire. Mm -hmm. And it'd be fine for her to say it's wonderful. Yep. She just can't yep. act on it. So and she I think might that's even an see, interesting thing. I wonder if she even sees, like, if she, I mean, as it gets her programming, but if she could kill the dynasty and just end it, would she see that as a kindness? Because none of these people are happy. Like, not, like what Cleon, Cleon doomed, they're like a blighted harvest. They, 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 they're not happy. They're always second-guessing themselves. They always, they, they feel um, like at an instinctual level that they're like second-class emperors that don't really matter. Um yeah, I, I, again, I, I'd really like... Dusk a, feels that way, certainly. Well, I mean, but he's the one that would have the most, like, could look back and Perspective, see... Perspective, yeah. Yeah, like the, the unsatisfactory nature of their lives. And there's always a... You know, I, I go back to that one scene of the dust that we saw got disintegrated, that there's, like, he doesn't want to. He doesn't feel comfortable or safe, like, you know, the way Cleon did when he was at his end. Of course, I don't know, maybe Demerzel killed him, too, in some kind of elaborate ritual, but... 
Yeah. It's tasty. The like I said, Empire plot does not miss. No no notes, 100%. It's our it's our it's our <laughs> it's our little angel. Can't uh, do no wrong. Well, that's all we're going to get of Empire this season. Let's go to the final scene with Harry and Gale. Um Harry explains that he's going to stay with the Metallics while Gale sleeps in the cryopod only to return once a year to inspire them as a goddess. She manages to convince him what a terrible, just on the face of it, what a terrible idea that is. And they both go into cryosleep together. Uh, I think, I don't know what got into Harry. I think this is a obvious bad idea. I mean, he's only got, I mean, how many more years does this man have? 50 years? He's he's going to die. If he doesn't get into the cryopod, he's going to die well before Gale can return as you know 152 mm-hmm. years later as god goddess so like what is his plan for the other hundred years or 50 I, years or whatever i think his plan is to use the rest of his life being her john the baptist and getting them properly prepared and conditioned in the next generation of mentalics that unquestionably accept her as goddess and like establish like train the generation that will train the others into the army and then, you and know, by the time he's dead, the next they will few generations, they don't. I mean, it's, that's, that's what that's it. I mean, you just need to summarize psycho history. That's like just hoping that the next generations don't, you know, like keep playing their part. And that, but that but yeah, but he has the mechanisms here to effectively guarantee it. Like if they just slept in the cryopods, just just do your sleeping in the cryopods eight hours a day. You would effectively extend your life by a third and you could live to something like 200 years and get to 152 years later with the. The mule. Yeah. Both of them. I mean, mm-hmm. Harry could spend half his time in there and gain another 70, 80 years on top like of that's his lifespan. And, 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 and the other thing is, like, if you really want to binge your noodle, did Harry suggest the first plan so Gail would suggest this, this so she would obviously come back and suggest so that she would grow a little bit the relationship like you <laughs> know like where does the manipulations sure. go and now she's like oh look Gail I flexed and I chose your plan because it was better like, I don't like that option because I want this to be a genuine moment between the two uh, but so like it's certainly if, possible and and I gotta say that like and it might be but like also it would be super satisfying if there's a false detent that like you know Harry kind of hoodwinks Gale and she has to you know come you know there has to be yet another fight you know for her to actually be as equal because mm-hmm. uh, that's like yeah I think I keep thinking of like um, if you want to th- view this lens like think of uh, Mr. White and Jesse Pinkman mm-hmm. there's like at least three points in that series where Jesse thought that Walt respected him sure I don't know if we ever got a moment where the act like you know by the end of the day, it's just like you know uh, there's clearly love there but respect mm-hmm. I don't know and I, I could see some echoes of this th- th- too the hilarious part of this conversation to me is that yes she's able to convince him to change his mind on something but to do it much like Jesse and Mr. White uh, she has to appeal to his ego She says, there could be another crisis coming up, one that involves Harry Seldon himself, and we both know that you are the only person capable of dealing with that crisis. And he goes, yeah, good fucking point. I am awesome, aren't I? Are you (laughs) suggesting Gail's manipulating him right back? I think so. I think so. Yeah. No, I could could see that for sure. But I also think it's... Appealing to his ego is the only way to make that work. 
but I also think it's it's a real fear that like, hey, maybe I can wrestle a Mentalic, a rogue Mentalic down, but like you're the only one that can deal with a Harry Seldon. That might literally be true. Sure. Like Harry is another outlier. Well, regardless. Yeah. Uh, I will say charitably, if if you want to be charitable uh, to Harry Seldon here, you can say, well, they're they're a family now, right? And Gail says as much. They've they've come to respect each other. And they, they're I think they literally equals. are. I mean, yeah. No, well, yeah, adoptions and such. Uh, if you want to be charitable, you can say that he changed his mind for that reason. Mm. But it doesn't hurt to flatter his ego. Agreed. Uh, I do want to know exactly what their plan is here. Are they just planning on sleeping 150 years and hope the Metallics will keep it on track? Or are they going to wake up once a year like Harry wanted th- Gale to I do? I think that the, that, that the plan, the new modified plans, I understand that they're going to spend a year now before they get in the pods to make sure everything's running smooth. and then Well, they no, will... because they immediately get into the pods. That's Yeah, but if you listen to what Gale says, she goes, let's spend a year both working to learn twice as fast. and then So a year has passed between the scene and the end if, of it? If, yeah, yeah. And like the only thing that, that that indicates that is the dialogue. There's no like obvious passage of time, but like that's what I think yeah, happened yeah. and it makes sense. And I think that they're gonna be like so that gets them on a start and it's like, okay, it's kinda like the your teacher shows up and then gives you homework. You go mm-hmm. away and you do it and you come back. So I think that they're gonna have a cycle of like they'll teach for a year, maybe sleep for a year or two, come back, see what they've learned give them new pointers, uh, you know, check to see, you know, there's essentially Groundhog the vault, Day stuff. The vault in microcosm, right? Just yeah. shorter periods between Harry waking up. Yeah, yeah. And they're just trying to get, like, this is all. And I, now I, I do wonder what they do past 152 years because I don't know if, I don't even know Goyer knows, Goyer knows that because there's was one interview I saw of him where it implies that the thing, or maybe Pete told me this because it's a conversation he had with him the last week that the mule plot line has special significance to Goyer. That's like his, like that was like, um, you know, the double D's always talked about the red wedding being the thing like hot damn. I want to, we want to adopt this. Like the me, I got the opinion that the mule is that for Goyer. So I wonder like how much he has planned out because that's my big question is like, once Gail gets over the mule, do we get away from Gail? Like, do we ever, Mm-hmm. And and that's like I like I said I, I I know that he's got and he's he can't talk about it but I know he has plans about like what do we do if we can't get you know Jared Harris or what do we do if we can't get like you have to plan for stuff on the things that you want to run four to seven years so but I'm very curious to see how they do flip it you know like once we get past it seems like maybe next season will be the big mule plot once yeah. you get past that th- uh, then where do we go in terms of cast and all that and that's apparently already mostly written fully written I, I don't know Goyer said it was yeah. it was well along um, the other thing he said in one of our interviews with him is that Gail as this narrator is narrating from an unknown time and so I assume it's from a future where you know foundation has prevailed but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily true she could be this could be a deathbed kind of thing for her this could mm-hmm. be a number of things, um, but certainly from but her perspective being the overarching perspective, I think is mm-hmm. a clue. She will be important for perhaps the entire duration of the series. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I really like Gail talking Harry through the process of being cryo frozen or whatever you call it. Just like, just Rach like Rach did. Rach did. And yeah. that smile of recognition, 
like you know bittersweet uh-huh that was that was a sweet moment um, i thought so too and then i also like the way it ends where she invites us all as the audience to close our eyes and dream with her essentially during the off season i thought that was mm-hmm. a nice way to to end quote unquote asterisks kind of exactly yeah. end because now we're going to jump 152 years into the future where the mule is fretting that Gale is now in his time and he resolves to kill her at any cost. It's interesting because they really reframe the mule as a victim here. That like Gale's mm-hmm. been tormenting him through psychic visions, maybe unintentionally. I think that's the idea. Like sure. there's like um, that she's causing this as much as trying to advert it. You know, like her checking in and visiting him in the future is giving him like some kind of haunted complex and fucking with his mind and driving mm-hmm. him crazy. I fucking I love that. I love that idea. Yeah. And he is crazy. Especially if so there's a personal seems. connection he has to the foundation or to the Empire, um, which is gonna be yeah. you wanna you wanna run down the big speculations? Like you like I mean there's Tellum. The <laughs> like Could be Tellum the, the big Tellum crazy is, one, right? Tell tell him is the one that boy you'd have to really do that well for me to. to well, to, to she like already it. could could very easily have a vendetta against her because because Gail apparently was more powerful than Tell him the entire time, right? She could mask her feelings from Tell him. That's the other th- unspoken thing that you have to kind of accept that Gail is just a giga level psychic. Yeah. the galaxy hasn't seen like so, and then, and then I think um, Tell him kind of says as much that she's like a new breed she's like the next generation Mm -hmm. but has surprised at her abilities yeah she is able to raw power a very powerful telepath that's had hundreds of years of experience that's and and hundreds of people under her spell already right like right right that is very impressive Um, yeah it told us she's very strong uh but i I don't know tell him is is a big possibility i think who else? The baby uh, of the baby Constant of Seraph Day. Okay, oh, you got okay. the other one. So the unborn. We know a fact uh-huh. that there is currently uh, a zygote floating around the fallopian tubes, if not the uterine lining of one Seraph, uh, Queen of Dominion. We we know human Cloud lifespans in this particular time are about 150 years. We've seen that mm-hmm. through Polly. Um, he's. Hey, he's like Harry Selton. No, you th- would you say the mule's like Harry Selton's age? Yeah, he's certainly younger than Polly. I, I, yeah. I think by a good margin. Polly's 130. This guy might be 80. And, and Polly was hale and hearty despite being a sure. hardcore alcoholic for like, what the last yeah. 20, 30 years of his life. So um, I say that to say this it's possible that that will change. Given the technology that Harry's dealing with, given the foundation's influence between now True. and 150 years, this guy could be 200 years old. True. Or 152 True. years old. So it could literally be one of these babies that just looks like he's 90 or something. Yeah. 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 So both at the end, you've also got cryopods. Although I will say that Goyer, <laughs> sure. after he heard, <laughs> I wonder how much he was sweating after he heard our nine episode because he sent an email saying that like they're well aware that they've kind of ran the gamut of the of the you know cryopods that they'll have to think of other things in the future yeah Um, we talked about this in the wrap-up briefly but i I wanted to reiterate it here i don't have a problem with the cryopods because it wasn't circumstance that drove them in this time it was an intentional decision yeah no i don't i find it well 
And yeah. if you and and one thing that I would believe could go an infinite cycle is is if you have a cult around doing something like that even long after it makes sense to do it they'll keep doing it so like sure getting yeah. in a cryopod and a regular basis like you've set up something that i now you know don't shy away from it this is the that's you've, <laughs> you've 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 subverted my fears and made it to the main plot successfully so but yeah i mean obviously if there's something even cooler past the mule timeline i'm down for that as well yeah uh so so we'll see i i do you have any other possibilities for who the mule is other than babies or talon uh a degenerate clone of the emperor go oh, god this is cleon the 27th and he doesn't even look anything like the cleons anymore maybe they, they he's i i can't ex- so I the other it. people um yeah i i don't know and, and a lot of people have uh taken me to task and saying that like he does not have thespian eyes he has mechanical eyes I keep on looking back and I'm like, I don't because like every time we see him in the dark, they're like glowing really. Uh, they always see him in the dark. And I'm like, I feel like Constant and and Hugo's eyes did that, too. Like not glowed, but they kind of like fluoresced oddly in dark conditions. Yeah. And in this scene, it's specifically like it, it's happening sometimes and it's not happening in others. And it's it's not like, oh, it's a it's a difference in camera angle or they changed over Mm. to a different shot. So the lights hitting it different. It happens like it's almost that he can make it happen or that it reflects his internal turmoil. Right. Like, I I don't know. There was something that felt like he was in control of it in this scene. Hmm. It was like his mental state or his power. It's like his psychic powers flexing something like that. Yeah. Oh, we'll see, man. Uh, I'm still looking forward to season three very much. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, this, you know, the switcheroos did not kill my enjoyment of the show entirely. I think there's still a lot to like here. Yeah. So I'll be excited to see what they've got in store for us next season. Yeah, 100%. Me too. All right, that's going to do it for this week. If you do have any feedback uh, uh, for our wrap-up podcast, because we do have that coming up, uh, go ahead and send that to foundation at baldmove.com. You're listening to Foundation and Podcast. We'll be right back. And we're back. Respect and enjoy the podcast. First up is Christina. She's got some thoughts on some of the questions we had in the last episode or two. She said, why did they ask Sarah to choose? Remember, we had that question of like, why did he let her choose between Constant and uh, Hober? And she says she hesitated to take his hand. So his choice of the girl was meant, in her opinion, to be an allegory for herself should she continue to not fall in line. The offer of a choice was to highlight that she has none, i.e. that she is now his possession. Uh, I think that makes Hmm. sense that... You know, he offers a choice, but then before she even gets to choose, he makes it for her and he chooses the girl like, you know, this could be you. Sure. And uh, get a uh, get a load of this. She says, I'm still convinced that Dawn and Sarah are going to take an heir to Dominion and cause a split in the Empire. Day's likely going to die and perhaps uh, Demerzel, too. But because she has a backup off world, she'll be back. Uh, Damn, Christina, you came very close to winning all the Internet points there. Because uh, you did correctly mm-hmm. predict that Dawn and Sareth are going to f- peace out and go out to Cloud Dominion. Um, 
Somehow, how do they get the cloud? The I guess they do. They, they, so they have a jump ship. Is their ship jump capable? It's a civilian. Uh, <laughs> do they have a jump ship? I don't think so. Because they don't jump away at the end, and I feel like they would jump away if they were saying they had a jump ship. It's gonna be a uh, long trip. Because that's the other thing is like what what Pete pointed out is that it's not that faster than light travel is not possible in the galaxy, right? Because we even knew the last season mm -hmm. that uh, the slow ship that they took from Trantor Terminus. You can still do it. It's just going to be a lot, a lot slower. But mm -hmm. that's, that's a long trip back to Cloud Dominion if they don't have a jump ship. Why does all that feel so much less conse consequential than the destruction of the fleet to me? Like all that Dawn Serrat stuff feels like... And oh, I know it it'll is. be important next season. They'll definitely write it to be that. But to me that is not nearly the threat to the empire as the logistical issues they now have losing the navigators losing your spacers i think is by far the biggest blow that's dealt to even over the triple decantation even over right. the perversion of the genetic dynasty i think losing the ability to control jump ships is is a hundred percent a hundred percent the biggest blow that they're dealt Jose is the one calling me out, or one of the many ones calling me out about the eye situation. Says, am I going crazy here? Is my TV settings off? Doesn't the mule have blue mechanical looking eyes, a la Jordi LaForge in the new Next Generation movies? And don't the Thespans have purple eyes like the book Targaryens? I love the show and have been a longtime club member. I'm not criticizing, but I die a little inside every time I hear the mule is Thespan. Can't wait for season three <laughs> coverage. I, I'm sorry, man. Like, I see bright unnaturally blue eyes and i think that the that they're related somehow am i am i crazy are my tv settings <laughs> fucked at some you, point you haven't we called will me know. out jim at some point we will know but we just hope you're not entirely dead by then <laughs> is this a practical joke you're playing on me that i'm not going to feel know how to feel about in in, in an upcoming season I, I don't know i don't think so all right uh well noted we'll see we'll see mm -hmm. in fact i i ought to i want to put that as a question to ask uh mr goyer am i insane to see, see there's a connection here lucas says you invited smug emails in your most recent recap so here is where i note that cleon the first told demerzel the same men man but not the same memories or something like that I want to meet you to make sure that Jim knows that I was right about that, whereas he pondered a few episodes ago that maybe the clones did not have the old man's memories. I do remember Jim being right about something last week that I was wrong about. Uh, mm, well, you're going to have to eat some dry pie. To... You're going to have to eat some real dry pie this week because yeah. we know for a fact they don't have certain memories. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, that, that, that takes the smugness down a little bit. <laughs> a little Although, bit. if anything, this is the part that I really like. Although, if anything, uh -huh. this casts more doubt on why he didn't just upload his memories into a new and viral dawn slash day every 30 years. They explain that the clones don't have memories because he considers them half men, but why even consider them inferior heirs to the true empress in the first place when they could rule together for centuries? I have I thought about this for a bit, and I got a headcanon answer. Do you, what, well, do you have any thoughts? So from what I remember, Goyer was saying that this Cleon the First that we're seeing is not some simulation of him. It's just a set of memories. Mm -hmm. So he wouldn't really be living on, right? This is like... It, it, it wouldn't be Cleon that we see there, right? It would be 
somebody who looks and acts like the Cleon of that time, but could make no changes to himself in the future. Well, I think the point that you're trying, trying to make here, Lucas, is is that why wouldn't Empire just get a clone body and use the memory transfer technology to just keep being immortal, essentially, in a fresh body? Why would he want to die and leave Demerzel alone with their children? And my I answer... I don't know that it works that way. I don't know that you that memories make the man entirely. But isn't that the basis of the genetic dynasty? Like, if Isn't that what Cleon, he's doing then, effectively? I mean... Well, but he's not transferring their complete memories. What he's saying is like, none of these days know that they're in love with Dimmerzel, right? Mm-hmm. None of these these Cleons. He could have kept that oh, continuity. Oh, why not get the he could full memory been, set? Yeah, he could well, just be those... a 600-year-old Cleon at this point. That every 30 years, yeah. kind of like Telem Bond, you know? Like, he switches body, but it's I, the I same assume, person. I, I assume... <laughs> That he wanted Demerzel to rule. That's what I assume, is that he did not want to rule. He wanted Demerzel to rule. And if he were to perpetuate himself that way, he would be the ruler. Whereas he wanted her to be the puppet master. So that's where you're getting where I was thinking that like Cleon was self-aware enough to know that he is making a hell. And he didn't want any part. He didn't want to be stuck in there forever. So oh, yeah. he wrote himself out of it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And like I he 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 did want to play house with Demerzel. He got to do that and he got to set up this big kinky uh, you know, eternal mommy slavery thing with his children and then he just peaced out. <laughs> yeah. Cuz who and wants to be did... stuck there shackled forever with no freedom? Right. Whereas, you know, if they're just clones, uh they're just the face of empire, you know. Yeah, which but is he doesn't very... consider that he's shackling. I mean, he does. He he knows he does. That he's shackling Dimmerzel. That's what I'm saying. Like Dimmerzel tells him, like, "This care. is beneath you. This is unkind. This is not human. Mm-hmm. This is." And he's like, "Yeah, but you know, it's what I want." And yeah, and it gets me out of my dilemma. It's not fair so. for you to have more freedom than me. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, it is. I, I do wonder, like, because that's the only explanation that makes sense. That like he didn't want any mm-hmm. part long term of the horrific system that he was setting up, but. That's not yeah. super satisfying. It's also like I think they're also trying to sh- maybe. Well, if he views ruling as a prison, it makes a certain amount of sense. I think they're also trying to show like the difference between Tellum, who literally inhabits, like she is taking her essence, her soul, and putting it into another body versus the technological equivalent, which might not be, like you said, like there might not be a continuity of existence there. When you yeah. like transfer your constant new body and you wake up, you might not feel like you're the same person. So I wonder if they're like that. There's a limitation because I get the again the that's the thing about the clones, man. Like you're giving Dimmerzel the chance to fuck with your memories. So maybe he didn't trust Dimmerzel not to do that, or maybe maybe it's it's something that the programming that like he that this is the way he kept Dimmerzel in a. I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. Why wouldn't he just perpetuate himself truly, like like uh, Tellum was trying to do? I think the most convincing one is he views ruling as a prison. And why would he why would he force himself into an eternal prison? Yeah. Um, Mike from Buffalo has an interesting wrinkle. He says the reason that the original Cleon's memory is so much larger than the clones, in my opinion, is because he's been incorporating their memories into his. He's actually still functioning maybe as an AI and running things from behind the curtain. 
I actually like hmm. this. The fact that like, yes, this is not Cleon the first. It's a memory bank kind of do an impression of him. But that thing can keep accreting information as he's woken up and the the days dawn dusk asks for his advice as dimmer as dimmer zell clue that he is a keeps acquiring not a full lifetime of information as a lot of enough there right like enough drips and drabs that he's two and a half times bigger than the other cleons huh that could make a certain amount of sense it could also just be all the dimmer zell shit but who knows true true uh greta marie says how did the general get from the surface of terminus uh she's talking about the uh the young man who is manning the uh, Invictus. Uh, I don't know why the show calls what I would refer to as admirals generals, but but it is what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. She says he was standing next to Cermak, the administrator, when days shipped the sins to the surface. How did he get through from Terminus to Invictus through the Imperial Encirclement? Do they have pocket-sized whisper dev- drives that can move them back uh, from the surface to the ship? Did they use Hober's casting device to get up here? Um, I didn't even think about this. But what I remember from the episode is that the enclosure enclosed Invictus as well. That it was in orbit of Terminus and the Imperial enclosure enveloped Invictus too. So there wouldn't be any barrier for them manning the ship. Are you thinking of the enclosure as like a physical barrier? Because I'm, no, I'm not. thinking as it's it's a blockade. It's a it's a okay. it's a ship surrounding a planet to cut off every form of escape. Hmm. I, I might have missed something here because I don't see the problem. She's saying that like if the planet was circled and closured by the Emperor mm-hmm. Empire, why would they allow the captain of the Invictus that we saw standing by the administrator on the planet? Why would they let him get on a shuttle and board his ship? Why wouldn't they just shoot that ship down? Why would we they let him, him go through the, the enclosure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's saying that you actually see him standing behind the administrator in the day scene. I mean, I assume he could castle up there. That would make sense. They do have castling devices. I just don't think it was part of the... I, I think it was know. inside the enclosure. So, and, you know, why didn't they shoot him down? And they, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't think, it would make sense if it's inside because they don't yeah. want the Invictus getting away either. So, And I don't think they thought the Invictus could beat them. And it turns out it couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this also, the other thing is like, uh, God, I wish that's I got. I wish I put this in the main podcast because the other thing about the tricksiness of it all is I knew that there was something odd about the way the crew, the Invictus, were were acting, and when they kind of like gave up the ghosts and stepped away from their consoles and accepted their death, that did not feel like people accepting their deaths. That felt like someone like standing back and like waiting for something to happen. The way they said that, hey, we're all playing a part today, everybody in the company. I thought that they, you know, I didn't see how it could work out without it being a big bugaboo, but I think they did a pretty good job of telling us there's something up here. Why didn't and they I, tell like, Constant? Yeah, I was, hmm? Why didn't they tell Constant or Polly or like, because they're the religious face? <laughs> like if they all because knew they're the actually score. Ha- they're required to make the thing happen. And if they had knowledge of the thing, they would fuck it up. Mm, Whereas it's not that. Really? You don't, you don't trust core... your people to do their job? It's not trusting people. It's like it's a bedrock foundation of psychohistory that people that know about the psychohistory, what they're supposed to do, fuck it up. Like that's like part of the thing. Like awareness of psychohistory and its calculations it? change changes human behavior. So it invalidates the psychohistory. It only works then, then, if... then why tell this captain of this ship? 
like doesn't he not need to know as well well he's not one of the ones doing taking the actions <laughs> i don't think that makes sense man whatever i think that's a how, lot of mental gymnastics to defend something this captain is not going to so the 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 people that matter in the scene are hober and day essentially like they are the ones they are the ones that history has chosen to make actions and at this point in time and i guess bell rios Everyone else I mean, doesn't we, really matter. We probably ought to ask Goyer this because I just don't think there's anything to read there. I think these are people who are realizing they're doomed and they're stepping away. They're contemplating that, not being like, haha, wink, nudge. We've all we've all seen the plan and now it's coming well, to fruition. I, like I said, I, I, I feel like I clocked it and I said it on the podcast and it turned out to be true. So, like, I definitely am biased towards that interpretation. But, yeah, uh, we should ask uh, Goyer that. Um. Aki says episode nine of Foundation was directed by Roxanne Dawson, who played Belana Torres, the half human, half Klingon engineer of Star Trek Voyager. (laughs) She directed episode eight and nine of the first season of Foundation as well as episode eight, nine of this season. Kudos to Roxanne Dawson. Hell yeah. I knew. In fact, did this come up last season? Because I remember thinking like, oh, my God, she's like a Jonathan Frakes type, which is actually secretly done a lot of good television. Those Um, Star Trek people get around. They... Yeah, do a lot of shit. I think it's because the producers like actively encouraged all of, especially the the you know main characters to kind of try out directing if they wanted to. Like mm-hmm. all of the you know Patrick Stewart directed a couple episodes. Lavar Burton uh, does a bunch of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wonder if it, it's that's just like there's like a huge Star Trek directors tree out there because of uh, them being generous with the talent. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But thanks for pointing that out, Aki. Always cool to give give uh, our our trekkers their due. Christy says on the last show, Jim said he didn't think anagrams are the show's thing when discussing if Tellum could be the mule. But I disagree. After all, Cleon equals clone. <laughs> you're you're right. The, the saving graces that was a backrogram uh because the Cleon was just the name of the emperor who was not a clone. That was just something Asimov True. pulled out of his ass. <laughs> and it's a maybe an extra clever anagram because it was something that they just worked with mm-hmm. but i don't think it's quite the i am lord voldemort but <laughs> reasonably people can disagree david chin i'm not sure if this is the david chin i don't think it is because it's mm. not from the email address i usually get from the david chin a film uh film cast and decoding tv fame but it is a dave chin he writes in and says, I don't understand why you are both so convinced that Terminus is really gone. Doesn't the black hole in Invictus power a jump technology? Couldn't Foundation have jumped their whole planet somewhere else? Uh, the people on the ground look concerned, but they weren't wailing like they were all about to die. First of all, thank you for backing me up against my fight here with Jim. Right at the next email, too. That was excellent timing, David. Disagree. Uh, impeccable. Disagree. Secondly, it's like, I was surprised at the amount of feedback that I got predicting that there was something tricksy with the black hole, the singularity that that was going. And I guess that makes a lot of sense. Like you can, it, it warps time and space. So why couldn't it warp time and space around the planet? Uh, ultimately, but we see they the planet in cracked into pieces afterward, right? Like the black hole thing happens and that's the thing that cracks the planet. And then we see it hanging in the background in shots like. No, I agree. Pieces. But like if that singularity had, I don't know, warped a chunk of Terminus real estate with a force field around it into deep space somewhere. Sure, sure. Would that be materially more ridiculous? I don't know that it would have, but... Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's certainly possible, and it actually happened. The Foundation survived that. Um, 
but Terminus itself was done. So I don't know, maybe maybe you're conflating the two things, Terminus with Foundation, but they're different things. Yeah. Well, like I said, I I I, I I'm just pointing out that like contrary to what we were saying, where we're like, there's no fucking way that they can bring back Foundation Terminus. There was a surprising amount of people saying that on contraire, they actually were looking for ways for the bring about the Foundation Terminus. That's why I'm like. Yeah, obviously, that's one of the interesting things. We don't normally have access to screeners, so we're usually covering things like, you know, along with the public, we're usually a week ahead on this thing. But I generally don't know what the general population is going to think of this. I have a sample size of three. You, me, and Pete (laughs) all had identical initial reactions. Me and Pete moderated. Yours has somewhat, but you're a little bit more angry than we are about it. I have no... I Yeah, I I don't know. Like, if uh, two-thirds of the fan base... I mean, it'd be bad if a third of the fan base like rage quits the show. But you're not rage quitting the show either, so. No, definitely not. I'm intensely curious about what people think. Really, because I, I have no idea. I don't know if we're going to be outliers or if we're going to be mainstream opinion. If we're going to deal with a legion of fans that are just like watching this and be like, what the fuck did I just see? And I come across as apologist. I don't know. I don't know. There's the whole, like, are people going to think that I'm moderating my opinion because I'm afraid to tell Goyard I think his show sucks? Like, I, <laughs> I'm way in my head about this thing, you know? <laughs> I think we have a sample size of five. We're pretty sure what David Goyer and Liz Fang think about it. Oh, big fans? <laughs> Probably big fans, I would imagine. I don't think anybody don't goes know, in saying our like, thing sucks. <laughs> I, felt, I felt from the team that they were radiating confidence about episode nine. Oh, yeah, for sure. And episode nine warranted it. That doesn't say that they weren't. But I do wonder, like, amongst the team, if they would share, like, were you guys nervous? Like, did you know this was a big, the nine was a big swing and you were kind of checking it in the next episode? Did you think you'd done enough to get a quote unquote get away with it? Does like, were you? I I don't know. Because, you know, we've done a few creative processes and that's the thing. Like, you just never know what people are going to think of something when you when you make it, you know, Uh so yeah, I'm I wish we did have this, uh... a little bit of knowledge about what the general community would think about it. That way we could ask questions kind of with the, the tone of voice that most people would, would ask them. Mm-hmm. Right now, I just have, like, I'm on an island here. I can only really ask things in my tone of voice, which might not match up with what anybody else wants to think about this show. Well, hopefully between you and me, we'll some, mm-hmm. be somewhat representative of a triangulated fan position. Um I think there's going to be a lot yeah. of discussion about it. Going to be a lot of discussion. Oh, yeah. This is going to be, you know, um, something that I, I think, the, 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 like I said, if it were representative, it's going to, some people are going to take some time. It's going to, you're going to feel like you're a good friend of yours played a trick on you and you don't, you're not sure how you feel about it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, David continues says I didn't think about this until the part of your conversation where we talked about the spacers again but what if Mallow had convinced the spacers to leave if they leave right now the empire is the entire imperial armada t- trapped at the edge of the galaxy a three year sunlight trip from Trantor and Dimmerzel kind of pointedly said peace out I'm going back to Trantor right now what if the big reveal is the terminus move the spacers have defected and the entire imperial fleet plus empire just stuck in the middle of nowhere Ooh, David Chin, you so came close. so close. Mm-hmm. So close. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, the effect like, is the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get uh you you get you get you get partial credit, uh I, I think, for a prediction there along with uh, was it Lucas that got it too? Uh but anyway, yeah, really close there, David. 
Uh, Joe C says, I'm pretty sure the vault has some sort of quantum duality existence, uh, a similar quantum duality existence as the prime radiant. They just have yet to show its secondary location. Mm. Uh, all this has convinced me that the second foundation is up and running, going about the true work of psychohistory, safely hidden away in plain sight, and absolutely the very last place in the entire galaxy that anyone would ever think of looking. Finally, there's one candidate for the position. Oh, wait, let's, let's go with these two first. Are you a fan of the vault having a quantum superposition? The way there's multiple vaults? Maybe. Because I actually, yeah, like that's a interesting, that's an interesting way for the vault to survive a collapsing singularity dropped on it. That it like beamed everyone in and then essentially superpositioned itself to another point. But honestly, I don't need I don't need to be explained why it survived. It's the vault. I the vault is like yeah, the fucking, it has magical powers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Doctor Who's what what the hell do you call that thing? Tardis. Tardis. Like it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's yeah, it can't be defeated. Um, I, I, Talitha has the Tardis been defeated because like I was <laughs> Doctor Who's been on for like eighty seven years. It might have been defeated three times, and he had to rebuild it with his Hydra Spanner. Never. You they blow it up every it, season. Would you would you say it's unfuckwittable? <laughs> All right. So every there time you go. there's a new doctor, they have to destroy the TARDIS as well. That's how they die. And he rebuilds it. That's yeah. the tradition. So I've someone who's seen <laughs> one and a half episodes of Doctor Who my entire life. Yeah, same here. Um so like I said, I that the vault is one of those things where like if you tell me I, I can't imagine something that they would have it do where I'd be like, no fucking way at this point. Um, but I do think I, I do think there's something here that they are they have pivoted to where this first foundation is now the shadow foundation because the best place to hide the foundation is where it just got completely fucking wiped off the map. Like terminus <laughs> is just so. gone. Like you can just you just the Vulcan just float out there in the outer reaches of that system and they would never no one would ever think to look there. Yeah, I kind of like second foundation Harry thinking he's second foundation, but he's really like foundation one point five. He's like a middle foundation being manipulated by both foundations, but he has the metallics. So I, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, I, I don't want to say too much because it is a, it's definitely up. It's a pretty big table flip. If they do that switcheroo um, in just as impressive ways, I thought they would. So it's like one of these things where that's the thing that made me the most kind of quote unquote, butt hurt. And I might not even have a reason to. So Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, Joe says, uh, there's one candidate for position of the mule you haven't considered, a character we know fairly well by now who has a long history of influencing, manipulating the thoughts and actions of others who also cannot procreate, someone who after the fall of the Empire will be out of a job, dot, dot, dot. I'm assuming they're referring to Dimmerzel? Oh. Who else would they be referring to? Do they say they have... Well, power to manipulate and control. I suppose that's soft power, not. <laughs> I mean, it, it could be referring to Tellum, but I think I feel like Tellum has been theorized. I so let's say he's talking about Dimmerzel. How does that idea strike you? That Dimmerzel is the mule. I don't see it. Why do you not? I see really it? don't see it. Uh, she in 150 years. I don't know how you get to that that place but yeah I, I mean obviously i think that the pro the epilogue kind of blows this theory up because like i 
the body, the physicality doesn't matter. I mean, they they pointed out in the official podcast two weeks in a row that Demerzel probably existed as a masculine form at some point in their life. Um, mm-hmm. And they're a robot. They're they're asexual by nature, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I, but I don't, like, I can't reconcile what I know of Demerzel with the mule's mutterings at the end of this episode. That does yeah, not seem does like anything Demerzel would say. dream? How does, how does Demerzel haunt somebody in their no. dreams that, I don't, that doesn't make I, that's, sense yeah. that's not your fault joe you didn't know but like i yeah uh, I, I cannot see any possibility of that um now if dimmerzel is able to somehow work out the ability to build new ais like she's kind of procreating on her own and one of those becomes a mule maybe but i don't know i like the idea of the mule being maybe the mule thought hey i'll get these cool eye upgrades these robotic eyes. He put them in, <laughs> and it turns out that's part of Demerzel's distributed consciousness. And so now she's stuck in his head. There's your there's your path to Demerzel. All right. And that's she takes true. over. We still don't know how distributed this <laughs> consciousness can get. That's another open question. Yeah. Uh Andrew, earlier in this season. Uh, they asked Demerzel whether them having sex is indecent, and she replies, any gift that is given freely and out of love is never indecent. I think we should read that line very differently in light of what we now know about Demerzel and how mm-hmm. she came to be in, in, in service of Empire. Yeah, that's so funny, because like at the beginning of the season, I was like, man, this seems like they're really... I, I just don't know how I can judge this relationship and how consensual it is, and then like the further we go on the more i'm like oh i guess yeah i guess this is like i mean i'm not gonna say it's not weird and unproblematic but like now demerzel didn't consent and has no agency over any of this shit yeah yeah it's her programming and uh, she's programmed to give consent which is not the same <laughs> as consent. right yeah <laughs> Uh, in episode nine, Cleon uh, has a messed up idea about what constitute loves and freedom. As we found out when he traps Dimmerzel with the chip and Dimmerzel tells him when she says it is not freedom and what she's doing is beneath him. Mm-hmm. When Dimmerzel says the earlier line today, she's really saying that their sex is indecent. And by extension, he is indecent. It's because sure. it's not given freely, not given out of love because what Dimmerzel has is not freedom and the feelings she has for Cleon's, whatever they are, are not love. I think this is how we're supposed to see day of the season indecent, spiritually, sexually, emotionally. Well, but he doesn't know that. Can he be blamed for that? I mean, he does not have well, the memories I mean, that say that she is programmed to be this for him. So, yeah, I think that it, you're right. I think it cuts both ways. I don't think when he's saying he, I think we're talking about Cleon the first. It's hard to totally. blame the yeah, exponents yeah. because, like, as Dust says, right. they none of them had any choice, right? So, well, yeah, what that's what, 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 where do you, how do you even judge consent when you, when you have that? Oh, I mean, it's like, yeah, based on what we saw last episode, Cleon the first was a monster. Yeah. Like he's taking the sentient being and enslaving them. That's horrific. But then again, he was kind of enslaved before he had a choice, chance to consent in terms of like, you know, being forced to rule the guest. So it's like, sure but he had the most agency yeah if you want to blame he had the most agency (laughs) totally yeah um i think this is how we're supposed to so yeah he's a decency as such that he's been deprived of personhood he can't have sex properly because it's the language of human intimacy and he can only experience it with a robot contrast that with day dawn and dusk who are sleeping with sarah and rue respectively because of their genuine passion feeling even though they're being manipulated they definitely did and i don't this is the maybe thing that i don't quite get 
Um, obviously, I got that Day is particularly vulgar. I've been beating that drum, and he was particularly mm-hmm. deficient, and both of the other exponents kind of, like, side-eyed. It's the, uh, you know, that dragon meme where they got the three-headed dragon, and there's, like, two fierce ones kind of looking, and at the third, it's got its tongue out, and it's definitely kind of mm-hmm. derpy. Day is that derpy middle head. You know, Mm -hmm. the other Mm -hmm. two were never quite sure about him. And I think he was deliberately written as even beneath the quote unquote dignity of the Cleonic dynasty. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, Yeah, there are producers. She she helpfully supplied the the three headed dragon. (laughs) I forgot the googly eyes, too. God. Uh, Anyway, that is the final. I, I thought that's a great email. It's a nice uh, closeout to some of the long discussions we had on this uh, this season about Dimmerzel and um, you know how she consented and did the relationship with Day, etc. But uh, that's going to do it. Um, there was a lot of emails that got interpolated with their neighbors uh, because there were a lot of people coming out, a lot, a lot of just Goyer questions, and then a lot of people swinging for the fences on on things that it turned out that they weren't standing on solid ground on. So uh, sorry about that. Dims the brakes. Um, but yeah, that's that, that'll that do it for the feedback. Um, once again, that's foundationofbaldmove.com. Otherwise, we appreciate you listening. If you'd like to follow us, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not done. There's going to be an episode of our interview, our wrap-up interview, our forensic interview with David Goyer, David S. Goyer, the showrunner, is coming up. We have a conversation with Pete Peppers uh, that we had. Uh, and it's always good to talk to him, talk that stuff through with him. And then we also have uh, the feedback, the, the, the closer. Um, so yeah, please tell us what you think about that. And if you are, this is your kind of like last stop with us. Uh, we are, have got a bunch of other stuff going on. We're currently watching Ahsoka. We're about to start Loki, uh, Fargo and true detective. If you're more prestige television oriented is in the future as well. Best way to follow along for everything that we do is on social media. Also social media is at bald move, except TikTok. It's at baldest move. Finally, if you'd like to support what we're doing here at bald move and keep us podcasting, and get some stuff for yourself, ad-free feeds, bonus features, etc. Support.baldmove.com. All right. We will join you again for the David Goyer interview and then to see what you guys have to say to wrap up the season uh, in a few days, maybe even next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Respect and enjoy the podcast. Mm-hmm.